Happy Wednesday! Good morning, good morning, good morning. Wherever you are in the world, thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you. It is hashtag WCW. We celebrate women today. Today, every Wednesday, <laughs> we're taking you back to the 80s and 90s with some good vibrations. your days off to a good start thank you so much for tuning in thank you for joining me for coffee and Toll world news on the go gonna get into the headlines in a little bit couple more minutes yeah enjoy the music in the meantime and i let myself go i said so many things things he didn't know and i was so He should go And he said things He hadn't said before And he was oh, oh, so mad And I don't think he's coming back Coming back I did too much lying Wasted 
I can squeeze in one more before we get into the headlines. Here's another one. Soul to soul. Back to life. Back to reality. <laughs> yes, that's how it is sometimes when music stops playing. You know, you got to get back to life. Back to reality. However... So much for tuning in to Coffee and Toe World News on the Go. to all our listeners around the world logged on to the quality music zone qmzradio.com good morning to everyone listening online on johnoradio.com and of course i gotta say good morning to my studio audience courtesy of clubhouse it is wednesday january 18 and we are in the year 2023 <laughs> hashtag wcw we celebrate women today through music taking you back to the 80s and 90s that's the vibe who remembers this one back to life soul to soul <laughs> thank you so much for joining me for coffee and tow world news on the go we do this every monday through friday 9 a.m to 1 p.m eastern this is where i read the news and we share our views remember you can follow me on tiktok moments with me media on instagram moments underscore with underscore me underscore media and on twitter me media moments the me in everything is am i and it's time for us to get into the headlines thank you so much for that one soul to soul 
Caribbean corner, early morning earthquake east of Antigua. Out of the Cayman Islands, a single Caymanian mom alleges discrimination in Cayman rental market. Out of Haiti, U.S. Embassy accepting new tourist visa applications. Chile offers scholarships to Haitians. And as its only remaining elected officials depart, Haiti reaches a breaking point. Out of Trinidad and Tobago, 12 have died from COVID-19 in seven days. And we head on over to Jamaica for our next set of headlines. Protesters descend on the CPFSA demanding Gage Gray's resignation. Medical bills, funeral costs, and more. That's according to a sworn affidavit, which details the extensive decade-long fraud at SSL. And Usain Bolt's lawyers have given SSL 10 days to return missing millions. We're going to have those stories and more. On the international scene, Kiev helicopter crash kills 18. Top Ukraine officials are dead. U.S. preps another major Ukraine aid package, but Kiev pleads for tanks. Gambian vice president dies after short illness in India and aid groups urge debt cancellation to ease Ghana's economic woes. In news out of North America, Alaska polar bear kills a woman and a boy in a remote village. In Florida, thousands of migrant children enroll in Miami-Dade County schools and DeSantis proposes policy permanently banning COVID-19 vaccine and mask requirements and other pandemic mitigation measures in Florida. In Illinois, paramedics killed a man by strapping him face down. Oh boy, we also have stories out of Missouri, Oklahoma, Philadelphia, and Texas. In Texas, a 14-year-old girl has been charged with murder in the shooting of an 11-year-old boy in Dallas. In business and tech news, three events that will determine the fate of cryptocurrencies. In health and science news, freshwater fish contain forever chemicals. Social isolation linked to an increased risk of dementia, and that's according to a new study. In lifestyle, here are the world's 20 safest airlines. In believe it or not news, so Derek Chauvin's lawyer is expected to ask a court to throw out his murder convictions. We're going to get into the details of these stories and more. And of course, there's always great conversation. Keep it locked. Here is Janet Jackson. Love will never do without you.
taking you back to the 80s and 90s today. It is hashtag WCW. We celebrate women through music. Who remembers the dance routine for this one? much once again to everyone listening online thank you for tuning in to coffee and Toll world news on the go we have the details of those news coming up at the bottom of the hour keep it locked Boy, nothing in life is free that's why i'm asking you what can you do for me i've got responsibilities so i'm looking for a man who's got Leaves are nothing. You got to have something if you want to be with me. This one is from the 80s. I remember they banned this one at the high school I was going to. They said it uh, promoted prostitution. You got to have a chance. Leaves are nothing. 
Voice of Gwen Guthrie. Coming up after this, I have a little Jody Watley. No romance without finance. You gotta have a job if you wanna be with me. <laughs> oh boy, real love. Wake up, wake up, wake up, everybody. Let's get going. Let's get the day started. before we get to the business coming up next the pointer sisters with this one automatic can't remember the words for it though <laughs> this one is from so long ago but i'm sure you know once it starts playing uh, i'll remember
is hashtag WCW. We celebrate women today. We celebrate women every Wednesday here on Coffee and Toe. What does that mean? You're going to be hearing songs played by women, or we will feature one female artist that day. Enjoy. much to everyone listening online on qmzradio.com the quality music zone thank you to everyone listening on johnoradio.com and thank you everyone here with me on clubhouse where the conversation happens i'm moments with me and you're listening to coffee and tow world news on the go every monday through friday join us 9 a.m to 1 p.m eastern where I read the news and we share our views. You can follow me on Twitter at me media moments on Instagram, moments underscore with underscore me underscore media, and on TikTok, moments with me media. Thank you so much. Appreciate each and every one of you. And it's time for us to go ahead and get into the business. And we're starting off in the Caribbean corner. following stories courtesy of caribbean.loopnews.com first up early morning earthquake east of antigua a magnitude 3.1 earthquake was recorded off antigua this morning this is according to the university of west indies seismic research center it said it occurred around 4:52 a.m local time at a depth of 10 kilometers according to the automatic earthquake location from the u.s seismic research center the quake struck St. John's, Antigua and Barbuda, 35 kilometers east, Pointe Pitre, Guadeloupe, 96 kilometers to the north, and Basseterre, St. Kitts and Nevis, 135 kilometers to the east. No injuries or any damage has been reported, thankfully. Next up, 
we head on over to the Cayman Islands. Story courtesy of Cayman, DodgeLoopNews.com. Single Caymanian mom alleges discrimination in Cayman rental market. A single Caymanian mom is calling for rental laws to change in Cayman after she experienced difficulty securing an apartment unit for herself and her two children. Speaking about some of the challenges, the single mom said that some landlords indicated there is a no kids policy or that they are seeking a professional for the property or that preference is being given to persons who wish to invest in properties in connection with their application for permanent residency under the immigration's PR points system. Concerning her current rental unit, she lamented that she has been given notice that she will need to vacate the unit and will now have to embark on another apartment search, which may take several months. Faced with a new search, she dreads dealing with comments that her children are not welcome or that a single professional is preferred. Regarding this, she said, I usually stay quiet about these things, but too often no children is passed over as normal rather than viewed as discrimination too quiet too long and we need to do something she added that there needs to be laws and regulations put in place to protect landlords and tenants and when discrimination is so blatant it should have consequences without any intervention from government authorities or a change in legislation she fears that herself and others may become homeless Concluding, the single mom expressed that she would much rather own than rent, but that is impossible at the moment as well, given the difficulties for a single mother to qualify for a mortgage, increasing mortgage interest rates and property insurance rates. She is now calling on government officials to take action before alleged practices in the real estate market make discrimination the norm. I thought they did away with these things. I, I, I could understand back in the day when, the, you know, people weren't thinking and they felt that uh, a man in the house was security. Income protection, you know, because back in the day, women stayed home for the mo- most part. This is 2023. There are a lot of women who have chosen to be single mothers. It's their choice. And they should not be penalized for that. There are some who are single mothers by force, meaning rape, sexual abuse. And there are those who are single mothers because of divorce, separation, or the passing of their partner. No woman should ever feel cornered because she has children. And I know that there are communities, for example, here in South Florida, and I'm sure throughout the U.S., that they are titled 55 and over. And they do it that way because they don't want young children around because, you know, some older people don't really care to have youngsters running around. I get it. But everywhere can't be the same thing where you're not allowing children cannot be so if we say no children what you're telling people don't have children here we are complaining you know what y'all are confusing the hell out of me i ain't got time for all of this but on a serious note we cannot 
isolate. And if that's the case, well, this may be the opportunity for a developer or developers to come up with communities that are children friendly. Children need to be able to be outside and explore and burn up that pent up energy. People complain too, even in communities here where children are allowed, people complain, oh, the children are making too noise. What do you want them to do? Sit down in front of a video game and then we talk about mental health issues. It's just, you can't win, can you? You just can't win. But um, in the islands, this is really disturbing because throughout the Caribbean, children are usually welcome. It means the cycle of life is going on. It's continuing. You have some people who have take great pleasure in watching children. It reminds them of their youth and it takes them back to those places. Ignites memories. So I agree with her that something needs to be done. The government needs to step in. Everybody cannot say no children. Impossible. But here comes an investment opportunity for somebody who actually cares about single mothers. What do you mean by professional? Huh? What do you mean by professional? Be specific when you're going to say professionals. If I'm a plumber, I'm a professional. If I'm a waitress, I'm still a professional. Or are you looking for people who are just corporate or executive? Who work in an office? Wording it, you gotta, you y'all gotta revisit that. Our next story, let's hop on over to Haiti. U.S. Embassy accepting new tourist visa applications courtesy of Haiti.loopnews.com. The U.S. consulate in Port-au-Prince is accepting new applications for tourist visas in early 2023, officials confirm. Good news for those who wanted to spend time with loved ones. <laughs> Why did they say this at Joe Biden this year? Why, you know, they're messy for this. Good news for those who wanted to spend time with loved ones at Joe Biden this year. Oh, my gosh. The United States consulate in Port-au-Prince, confirms for Loop Haiti that it is accepting new tourist visa applications since the beginning of January. We have appointments for tourist visas, but they are limited, they confided to Loop News by telephone. The diplomatic institution also spoke with Daily Lenovelist on the subject. We plan to increase the number of appointments in the near future, the consulate quoted on Twitter. Uh, we, we are still in Haiti, but this one is courtesy of NPR.org. As its only remaining elected officials depart, Haiti reaches a breaking point. Haiti, a country long beset by catastrophe and political turmoil, is facing perhaps its steepest challenge in recent decades as its piecemeal government, now lacking any democratically elected officials, struggles to chart a path forward amid gang violence and a cholera outbreak. The constitutional mandate of Haiti's de facto ruler, Prime Minister Ariel Henry, which some viewed as questionable from the start as he was never technically sworn in, ended more than a year ago. The country has had no president since its last one, 
Jovenel Moise, who was assassinated in 2021. Its Senate is supposed to have 30 members, and its lower legislative chamber should have 119. All of those seats are unfilled. Haiti's elected mayors were all reappointed or replaced in 2020. And last week, its 10 remaining senators departed office after their terms ended, leaving behind a nation's worth of elected offices that now sit empty after years of cancelled elections. The situation is cat- catastrophic, said Robert Fatton, who is a Haitian-born political scientist at the University of Virginia. It would not be an exaggeration to say that the current crisis is one of the most severe crises that Haiti has ever confronted. The country of 12 million people last held national elections in 2016. In the years since, the turmoil, political and otherwise, has been relentless. Gang violence has displaced more than 150,000 people from their homes and forced aid groups such as Doctors Without Borders to close facilities and relocate staff. A new outbreak of cholera is suspected to have infected nearly 25,000 Haitians since October. In 2021, an earthquake killed 2,000 people and wrought new devastation to a part of the country that had been hit just five years before by a Category 5 hurricane. Rampant inflation has sent the cost of food and gas spiraling. Food insecurity is so widespread that about 40% of the population do not have enough to eat. And the disasters have combined to keep thousands of the country's school closed, meaning millions of Haitian children have lacked steady education and meals since the beginning of the pandemic. It's just an unending political turmoil. So how can you have a country with no elected officials? Just empty? What are they going to do? The pictures out of Port-au-Prince are very disturbing. And, you know, amidst the, the chaos, people are going about their business. You see people standing, walking around, yeah, carrying on. It's just another day. But they will have to get it together. Everybody rioting and carrying on, they're going to have to at some point lay down arms Stop lighting fires. Stop the kidnapping. Stop the raping. Stop the abuse. Stop all of that. And make a decision as to exactly how they plan to pick up the pieces and move forward. Because outside um, intervention is not welcome. So we can only pray for them and pray that they will figure it out and get it together. Our next story, uh, Haiti.loopnews.com, Chile offers scholarships to Haitians. Bernardo O'Higgins University is offering Haitian students uh, scholarships for the 2023 to 2024 academic year. That's according to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Worship in an announcement made on Monday. Under this program, two scholarships at bachelor's level and two at the master's level are available for students. They have until January the 23rd to submit to submit their application, says the ministry on its Facebook page. Journalism, social work, psychology, business engineering, industrial engineering, audit accounting, 
are among other scholarships available for the bachelor's degree. To see the disciplines at the master's level, those interested are invited to consult the ministry. Persons waiting to benefit from these scholarships must meet the following conditions. Be of Haitian nationality. Have a good command of Spanish, a level B2 of the Common European Reference Framework. Have obtained at least an average of 7 out of 10. Hold the diploma required by the study program for the study cycle concerned. For more information, please contact the ministry. So anyone listening who has relatives in Haiti that could benefit from this, who may be interested, please pass the information on to them and they can get more details by logging on to haiti.loopnews.com. Uh 12 die from COVID-19 in seven days. Over 500 cases have been confirmed. Story courtesy of tt.loopnews.com. The Minister of Health in Trinidad and Tobago has revealed that 519 additional persons have tested positive for COVID-19 in its January 17 update. According to the Minister of Health, the seven-day rolling average for new positive cases peaked at 74 from infections registered between January 10 and 16. In total, the country has confirmed 187,204 COVID-19 infections. Moreover, there have been 12 COVID-19-related deaths from January 11 to 17. The victims were four elderly males, five elderly females, one middle-aged male, and two middle-aged females. This brings the total number of COVID-19-related deaths in Trinidad and Tobago to 4,309. going to take a quick break. When we return, we have stories out of Jamaica. Um, y- y- you know what? You know what? Go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Rosolo. Concern for me is that you know the the fets and the, the um, activities for carnival are just starting. So people are already traveling because the first fet was what, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. So um, I, I foresee that the, the the cases are going to rise, and that's unfortunate because more people are starting to travel as carnival gets closer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I know that their Prime Minister Dr. Rowley did strongly recommend that people get their boosters if they're not vaccinated to do so. Um, And mixed with COVID is also flu season, right? So um, people have to learn to live with it. They just have to protect themselves, right? If you don't feel you should go, don't go, stay home. But if you're going to go, try your best as much as possible to, you know, prepare your immune system. Do not let down your guard. All right, take care of yourselves. Try to be as healthy as possible. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we are going to have stories out of North, uh, I'm sorry, out of Jamaica. I'm saying North America. Stories out of Jamaica. Here is Jody Watley singing, Don't You Want Me?
To everyone listening online on the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com, keep it logged on to www.QMZRadio.com for that good music to get you through your day. Hashtag WCW, we celebrate a woman today, taking you back to the 80s and 90s with the songs you're hearing. Thank you to everyone listening on JanoRadio.com, J-A-H-K-N-O. Go ahead and download that app. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Jano Radio, take us on the go.
All right, it's time for us to get back to the rest of the stories out of the Caribbean corner. And the remaining stories are out of Jamaica. First up, protesters descend on the CPFSA demanding Gage Gray's resignation. I don't understand what the heck is taking so long for this woman to step aside. What is the holdup? Somebody please explain that to me. Whose secrets? Hmm. You know what? Let, let me just go ahead and stop right there. Because that's the only way she could still be there. Nobody wants to remove her. Is she saying, I'm not stepping aside because if I go down, everybody going down with me? Clearly. I need to know what she knows because she clearly knows something. Not much attention is paid to the abuse of children. Not much attention is paid to the abuse of underage girls. But the other part of the problem also is the rabid protection of each other. Not only protection of each other, but also the corruption. The corruption is so high, led by the government, that nobody is held to account. If Rosalie Gage Gray does not address the issue within the next 24 hours, we're going to wreak havoc down here for I was up there negotiating to go and see her so we can talk to her. There's just so many unanswered questions to that report. When uh, we went up there, they tried to tell us that it's a private building and we can't come up here. So we requested not to carry the crowd. Let us go talk with her on camera. Give her an opportunity to say something, make people feel a little bit better about what they have heard and what they have read. Mm. And she refused. She rejected that. It is unfortunate that we have all children in this country and the children has been abused over a long period. The situation is chronic. When you see these things, we should have at least 4,000 social workers employed and instantaneously when you unearth the first case, social workers should be there. Mrs. Gage Gray has remained as CEO of the CPFSA, despite calls for her to resign as investigations continue into her handling of a controversial relationship with founder of Embracing Orphans, Carl Robanski. Robanski, an American, had his education certificate suspended back in 2016 after he admitted to having sexually inappropriate conversations with a minor. The OCA has accused Mrs. Gage Gray of failing in her duty to care well, in her duty of care towards of the state, after it was revealed that Robanski had access to girls at a CPFSA facility. The damning report by the OCA outlines issues of inappropriate sexual behavior between Robanski and wards, not ward, wards of the state. So who for bag she carry? The people would like to know. Because it's just ridiculous that this story, this has come to the forefront. This man has admitted. Investigations have revealed inappropriate sexual behavior, inappropriate conversations, sexually charged conversations under her watch and she's allowed to remain in place you're talking about children future generations people children who are already traumatized 
because they have been abandoned or turned over to the, the state because the parents or grandparents or whoever the caretakers are feel they can't manage anymore. So they're already going through feelings of rejection and fighting to feel some sense of worth. By not removing this woman, the message you're sending is that we don't really care about these children. We don't care about their emotional and physical well-being. It is the 23rd. I'm sorry, it is the 18th. This story has been going on and she's still sitting there. Not even to say that she has put on suspension. Not even that. She continues to be the CEO of the CPFSA, despite calls for her to resign. And I have to agree with Karen Cross, whose voice we heard on the sound bite. If them not did nothing about it, wreak havoc, of course. And how <laughs> opportunities for them to say, this is a private building, you can't get in. So they're protecting her. Who is protecting the children? Which, as I asked, me want know who for secret you have. I can't help but to have my mind wander. All sorts of thoughts that should not be there because of their failure to act. Is it that there are people in high places who have had access to these children? Good morning. Good morning, Javette. So I know we spoke about this for a couple of days, but I just want to throw a question out there. Is it because, um, like here in the States, you have to be innocent until proven guilty? Hmm. But, but um, Javette, let me ask a question. How many times have we heard of situations and people have to step aside while the investigations are conducted? They're either um, put on suspension, put on probation, something, and somebody steps in in the interim. So do you think she is, even though she still has her title? It's, they're just not telling the public that? That she step aside. Well, if that's the case. That she's suspended. Well, they need to let us know. They need to let us know. And clearly it hasn't happened because the protests happened yesterday. And she's still there. So let us see what happens today. Um, <laughs> again, because the islands are small and we know, everybody know where everybody lives. <laughs> is she even on the island? Because wouldn't, wouldn't they be protests at her house by now? <sighs> if she lives in a gated community, probably not. There'll probably be lack of access. You know. That's a valid point. Is she in the island? Is she there? Well, if she's, they need to say something, Javette. Somebody needs to come forward. The minister, which ministry is responsible for um, wards of the state? Whose umbrella does it fall under? Which ministry is responsible for the children? 
they need to come forward and say something to alleviate what's going on. They need to. But this does, how, how long ago did report this? Two weeks ago? The matter has even come up in the house and still nothing I do. So now I'm going to ask the next question. Is there any politician involved in, in illicit behavior with children, with minors out of, that are wards of the state? Who knows what Pandora's box have been opened from this? Well, it needs to open. Empty out the contents, make with Siwagwan. It's children. Empty it right out, Javed. Make them take out everything out of the box. And let the chips fall where they may. Go right ahead, James. Go ahead. Yeah, morning, everyone. Oh, Javette, your mic, your mic. Go ahead, James. Yeah, this is just, I think it just shows that the leaders, people in high power, they don't really respect respect people because um, they don't respect the Jamaicans because this is not rocket science. Like, even if she have secret for somebody, there are ways to, to, to take this, you know, to, to get rid of this. Like, if, if she has secret for some, like, person in political officer or whatever. All them have to do, uh, you know, put some money together and say, look, um, we just need you for, for disappear. We're going to pay you off or whatever. But you can't be still the head, you know? It just show like a blatant disrespect for people. So, you know, like there's no excuse why she should still be there. As I said, like there are ways to get rid of people. Like if she, you know, if she have secrets, you know, pay her out or, you know, the same thing like like when police officers do something and they say, okay, we're going to remove you from frontline duty, but we're still going to pay you. Mm -hmm. that, that, that would not be like the perfect solution. But I'm sure, you know, well-thinking Jamaicans would rather have her sitting down for like two months getting paid than for her to still be at the head, you know? So, yeah, it's just blatant disrespect to me. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um... I'm sure we're going to have an update by the end of day because the protesters are serious and rightly so. Rightly so. In our next story, there is further development, medical bills, funeral costs and more. Sworn affidavit details extensive decade-long fraud at SSL. The client relationship manager says as part of her work at SSL, she interacted with customers and assisted with their deposits and payments. Jean Panton claims the scheme began in 2010 when her father was diagnosed with cancer. It was at this point she thought of borrowing from client accounts to cover her father's expenses. She says she had no idea how it would be paid back, but that it was her solution at the time. The father, according to the statement, passed away three years later. She also admits to borrowing from the client's accounts to cover the funeral expenses. Panton says her brother also attempted to kill their mother and was committed to a home and they had to further cover this expense. The statement suggests that her financial burden increased during the COVID-19 pandemic and income from SSL decreased. 
She was unable to repay the funds and continue to take sums for various purposes. She also admits to using various mechanisms to take money from clients. For example, she would edit a customer's email in an email thread, and this email would provide consent to sell their shares and disperse the payments to the respective bearer. She says she would also make a request to the asset management team for approval of the sale. The accounting team would then approve and make the payment. Once the shares are sold, the individual would request a check for the funds to be paid to one of four bearers. These bearers were independent of Stocks and Securities Limited. The bearers would be issued the checks by SSL and would visit the bank to collect the funds. The funds would be delivered to she, Jean Panton. According to the client relationship manager, she stole from the accounts of nearly 40 people, amounts totaling just under 900,000 US dollars or 138 million Jamaican dollars. She says she also stole 18 million Jamaican dollars from other accounts. She also claims that had the sums remained untouched, the total value of those accounts would be 4 million in US dollars and over 90 million in Jamaican dollars. The former SSL manager ends her statement by expressing remorse. It was signed on the 7th of January 2023 in the presence of a Justice of the Peace. Shavon Campbell for Nationwide News. Wow. Wow. Nothing told you to stop? Nothing? Absolutely nothing. Crosscray, who is the face of the company, has a reputation as an honorable man, a man of his word. He built the brand on an old school mantra, which younger finance professionals deemed anachronistic. He, together with the chairman, Jeffrey Cobham, must come out with a fulsome statement assuring investors and the Jamaican public that every effort will be made to get the investors their money back even if personal assets have to be divested to make good. It is the right thing to do. If an investor gives you their money in good faith, you are duty-bound to see to that. When required, it can be accessed readily. How deep does SSL's capital adequacy issues run? And what did managers past and present know? The level of culpability must be brought to lie to those who knew cannot now say, I'm not with SSL and so absolve themselves. The FSC must now scrutinize the issues of capital adequacy. The reason it has appointed a special auditor is because it is not satisfied with how the company is being run and its capital levels. If SSL had the money to fix this and cover the investors who had money stolen, they would have done so and avoided the public furore. As it stands, it cannot. This will besmirge the brand and those associated with it. Jean Ann Panton has admitted, as we just heard in the audio clip, to stealing the money, but not from Bold and not the sums mentioned in the press. Something is awry here. She was also stealing after her father died. But herein lies a couple more questions. 
Why were SSL's compliance officers and auditors asleep at the wheel? Why didn't the executive team and directors hold them to account? This is a damning indictment on woeful mendacity and corruption at a Jamaican investment company. It needs to be cleared up expeditiously and other security dealers should be calling for this because it is likely to bring on a contagion. Risk ratios are also intrusive here. In Jamaica, capital to total assets should be 6%. Capital to adjusted assets should be 10%. The FSC's average benchmark as it pertains to capital risk-weighted assets is 14%. As of June 30, 2022, there are 30, well, there were 37 companies licensed as securities dealers. Of those 37, how many have adequate capital ratios? There are many fine institutions in Jamaica that are not a part of this mess and of course will be distancing themselves from this drama. Mayberry Investments, they've been around for a long time, has a capital of 20 billion Jamaican dollars and a capital risk ratio of around 24%. Burrito Investments has one of the highest at 37%, way above the average. The SSL imbroglio demonstrates that quantitative and qualitative analysis is needed in Jamaica. Investors must do their research and verify whether the investment house they will be giving their money to is well capitalized and its personnel are of sound character. What is now clear is that the controls in place at SSL were weak. And that's an understatement in my opinion. The Jamaica Stock Exchange is yet to make a public comment. It must demand the capital levels of all brokerages that are listed. The Securities Act states that a brokerage dealer must have cover insurance, but does not stipulate the percentage of the account or amounts. And this will also have to be addressed. <sighs> it's such a pity what happened to Bolt here. He had a balance of 12.8 million US dollars in his account at SSL, only to discover that it was depleted, leaving him. We're hearing different amounts. I'm not sure. At one point, you're hearing 2,000 US dollars. At another point, you're hearing 12,000 US dollars. But whatever it is, he has lost <laughs> a whole lot of money, right? Um, it would be interesting to find out how much capital SSL had when Bolt initially placed his money with it. This speaks to the issue of research. Yeah, folks, roll up your sleeves, burn the midnight oil. And um, what's going to have to happen as I've had to go through before, is where you um, you now have to, and I hope they have proper record keeping. <laughs> when you're going to have to pull up all the interest rates for different time periods, and it's a lot of work. I'm going to tell you all that. It's going to be a lot of work, but you're going to have to do it because you're going to have to calculate the interest correctly. Month over month, week over week, year over year, however, you're going to have to calculate that. And it's a lot of tabulations. But if you um, work with IT, you develop a spreadsheet, plug the numbers in, and it should reduce the um, workload. But it's a lot of work. Um, 
finance houses will now have to be more judicious in who they employ and keep an eye on their character traits. But here is the thing. We can say that. We can, we can make mention that um, it is important that those people who are going to be working, the personnel are of sound character. But their life circumstances can change. As clearly in this case, she has been with the company for 25 years. So for the first uh, 15, she was doing okay. She was probably doing everything by the books. Nothing went awry. She was probably a damn good wealth manager. But here comes life-altering circumstances. No excuse, none whatsoever. Here comes life-altering um, situations. So hiring someone of sound character does not guarantee that there will never be an issue. She was wrong. Dead wrong. And she kept going, she kept going, she kept going. Okay, your father died, stop. But what was the other reason? Hold on, let me go back to the... Um, well, let me hear this. The again. client relationship manager says, as part of her work at SSL, she interacted with customers and assisted with their deposits and payments. Jean Panton claims the scheme began in 2010 when her father was diagnosed with cancer. It was at this point she thought of borrowing from client accounts to cover her father's expenses. She says she had no idea how it would be paid back, but that it was her solution at the time. The father, according to the statement, passed away three years later. She also admits to borrowing from the client's accounts to cover the funeral expenses. Panton says her brother also attempted to kill their mother and was committed to a home and they had to further cover this expense. The statement suggests that her... Okay. So you had to commit him to a home and you have to pay for that. Gene, you're not no. the... F oh, go right ahead, Javette. Go ahead. Go ahead. It, it doesn't matter what kind of math they do to go back and find out how much money is lost because I can't see a way where they're going to be able to repay any of these investors. Where's the money supposed to come from? Are you going to get new clients and then use the new clients' money to repay while you supposedly make money off of their money? And I, I always wonder when people do something wrong and then when they get caught, they say they sorry. You, you ever wonder why? <laughs> if you were sorry, you would have stopped maybe, maybe. What are you apologizing for? You're apologizing because you got caught. And yeah, it, she was between a rock and a hard place. But I wonder if she asked for help before she did what she did. You know how we always say, as especially as women, we will just drudge through and drudge through and drudge through and don't stop and ask for help. You never know. Someone may just help you. Facts. I feel. Facts. You're absolutely right. Facts. 
So I um oh let me check the chat before I I read the letter um courtesy of Freda Ennis and Gordon who are attorneys at law and and notaries public. Uh okay, Kevrock says, "Morning." <laughs> Panton is the same name as a CEO of a business that failed in the nineties where people lost money. Cash plus. Wasn't he the one that took off to the Bahamas on his private jet, if I remember well? I think so, you know. <laughs> uh, so is he saying it's in her blood? We don't know if they're related. We don't know if they're related. <laughs> we don't Mo know. Sorry, moment. Yes. There, there was a Pantan before that too. One of the first, the, the biggest um, bank crash in, in um, I think... In the history of Jamaica, there's a pantheon involved in that one too. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you you remember the meltdown, like it was, I think about 1995. Um, so the same one I'm referencing. No, no, not 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 the cash plus one. There's one before I, that. I know, I know. That's the one I'm mentioning. Oh, okay. Almost okay. like a half Chinese looking guy. Yes. So I I knew that guy because he used to come to the hotel that I used to work regular, and that you know like hundreds of people died um back then people were committing suicide people end up in hospital and just died because and i you know i believe that the finance uh, it, i'm surprised that the finance minister the prime minister I, I haven't heard any statement from them yet because you know i remember back in in that time when that meltdown when that bank um the, the whole meltdown happened and it was like chaos because the government went in like the finance minister i think it was um omar davis at the time they went into all the banks immediately at that time and i remember that they went into the banks and they were saying that the ratio between um you know assets and and, and money that investors are putting in was was a bit off with some of the banks so they went and they, I remember they seized um, Eagle Merchant Bank. They seized a couple other banks. And I remember, because I lined up for like about five hours in New Kingston at Eagle Merchant Bank trying to get my money. And I remember like we stand up in the line with hundreds of people. And the manager come out and said, guys, we have your money in the bank. Your money is safe. We're going to allow you to draw it. But I'm just telling you that, look. You can make it stay because it's safe. Everybody said no. And everybody drew out their money. And Eagle Merchant Bank crashed. And I don't know if it, you know that hotel right at Constant Spring Road where I think the American Embassy bought it. All of the assets were had to be liquidated and stuff like that. So I believe that the finance minister need to, <clears throat> need to come out and say something. Um, they need to... I heard that... Um, the, the, the governing body took over the, the, the investment firm and, and appoint someone to, to clear up things. And they need to hold on to all of those assets for that company and make sure the people get back their money, you know? Because it's, it's crazy, like, to open a bank account in Jamaica, it's easier to, to go get a passport and go get your American visa, go get a, your Canadian visa, your British visa, you, you'll, you'll go through all of those process and get through before you open an account in Jamaica. So why is it so difficult? I think they're saying Jamaica is the most difficult place, one of the most difficult in place in the world to open a bank account. It so is. If, if the, it is, James. And I'm going to tell you why. Last year, when I was in Jamaica, was it last year? 
year before, whichever, year before, when I was in Jamaica and I went to the bank, granted, <laughs> we have been with this particular bank before Wapikil Philip. Right? When that bank moved to Brownstone, never forget. Well, I wasn't even born yet, but we've been with them before me even born or even think for born. And the stress they put me through. And here's the kicker. I already have an account with them. <laughs> Go figure. Go figure. You already have an account with them. You've been doing business with them for decades. My family has been doing business with them for decades. The only thing left for them to do was to cut me open. We ended up leaving. It was ridiculous. You know what? Forget it. Forget it. Yeah, and, and that's why I'm surprised the government is so quiet because it can be so difficult to, to, to open a bank account, but yet so easy because this is a trend that's happening every day now. When you listen to like some of the Jamaican talk shows and, and, and people calling in, talking about returning residents, um, missing 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 US pound Canadian from their account and nobody can give account for it, you know? So, and this, you know, like this is another black eye on Jamaica because even with the highest of crime in Jamaica, I know people that are willing to return and they find excuses for the crime. They're saying like, you know, most of the crime is like, you know, contract killing. So if you keep yourself quiet or you don't owe too much, like you're safe and you're this and you're that. And people find all type of excuses and say, you know what? It's my country. I'm tired of the cold. May I go back home? When people across the diaspora um, work so hard and know that they're worrying about crime before, and know they're worried that they might go back home and their retirement savings might be just, um, you know, withdrawn out of their account without them knowing that's not good not good you know people looking on these investors and people coming trying to come home they're not going to want it they're going to think think twice so the government need to fix this ah uh, you know what's interesting um i said it yesterday and here um is an article I, i'm seeing what we are seeing in jamaica is a growing trend of professional young women in finance houses. I alluded to this. Defrauding their employers. Didn't I say that it's that in, in the let's say within the last six months, stemming from the latter part of 2022. Remember the real estate fraud. I mentioned it headed by a woman. There was Sajikor headed by a woman. Now these two headed by women. And when I say these two, I'm talking about SSL and NCB. I know when I was working in banking in Jamaica that men were paid more than women. It was a fact for doing the same thing. I know for a fact that if you were a man and you were married, you got paid more than a woman who was married. It happened. I know that. I don't know if they've changed it. But back in the 90s, that's how it was. Which I deemed unfair. Have they leveled the playing field i don't know but you know i have to go back to what you said javette if she had only asked for help did she turn to anyone did she try to take out a loan 
Her father, who was in the U.S. suffering from cancer, was he a resident, a citizen, or was he sent here? Okay, we're going to send you to the U.S. to get treatment. No, that's not. And I understand everybody wants their loved ones to live on. But if you pick him up and send him to the States to get the best treatment, knowing you don't have no money, a people money, no, you're wrong for that, my dear. Make him stay at Jamaica. The better you can go up a university, you don't want him in general ward, you can to the private um, section, um, Ronnie Twitts. I'm sure there are other private hospitals in Jamaica that you could have gone to. Right? If that is what happened, if you and your family decided that, you know what, we're going to send him abroad. Were you under pressure from your family? Oh, you, you know, are you the one that was making all the money in the family? So everybody feel that you should be the one to step up and take care of the bills. Whatever. No excuse. Now put your basket where you can't reach it. It sounds cold for me to say this, but if him am dead, him am dead, he's still dead after you take the wall of the money in dead anyway. I know it sounds cold. He died any way. So you did that to no avail. Now, if he was a citizen or a resident here in the U.S., there, were, um, there are options for him. So you didn't have to put yourself in that position. You didn't have to put yourself in that position. Everybody goes through situations. But good morning, everyone. Good morning, que Marlon. Question though: Did Bolt or whoever else did a research in this company before they put their money in this in this investment firm? You know, um, who told him to invest in this company, put his money there? But I just want to know: Did he do research? Did they do you know checks to make sure it's legit before you put your money there? Because if I have that kind of money to invest, I'm going to do my research real well before I do it. So I wonder if he did his research before you, you know, because if it's my money, I'm not just going to trust any anybody with my money. I'm going to do my research and make sure it's legit right. and nobody got scammed before or whatever, you know, because the streets do talk and people do talk if you, if you really want to find out stuff right you know so you can't be that busy to to not do a research if if he if he did and it is was a good cover-up well and i feel it for him but here's the thing marlon I, I i get what you're saying i totally get what you're saying but as i had mentioned earlier just as with personnel personnel can be of sound character and go in get the job, do extremely well for years, as was the case with her, I want to believe. And then life hit her and she made the wrong choice. So two companies can start off being clean, start off being, you know, above board, operating by the books, I's dotted, T's crossed. And then down the road, a bad decision is made let us say they did a bad investment, took a bad risk. And then instead of trying to think logically, they're trying to cover up. Or instead of being forthcoming with their investors, they try to cover up. 
So I want to believe that it started out on sound footing, as um, it has been mentioned that Mr. Crosscurry, Mr. Crosscurry, Hugh Crosscurry, the face of the company, honorable man, right, um, knew what he was doing. But then again, as time goes on, things change, right? No, nobody stays the same. <laughs> I agree, I agree, but I, I just, I, I just want it just, just a thought, and I wonder if he does research. And I know people cover stuff up, but it's just a thought. Yeah, good thought, good thought. So let me re go ahead and read the letter that uh able to get my hand on a copy of the letter from um Bold's attorney. Ah, uh, um, this is just, <laughs> this is just crazy. Uh, bear with me one moment and let me pull it right back up. And of course, um, according to Barbados.loopnews.com, you're saying Bolt's lawyers give SSL 10 days to return return the missing millions. The legal team for Jamaica's retired Sprint King, Usain Bolt, has given Stocks and Securities Limited 10 days to return his missing funds or face criminal and civil action. SSL is or was holding investments for the eight-time Olympic champion. That's the ultimatum given in the case of the massive reported fraud that is currently unfolding at the investment firm, where Bolt had invested significant sums reported reportedly towards his self-designed pension. In a letter to SSL dated January 16, 2023, the authenticity of which was verified by Loop News on Tuesday, the law firm of Fredo, Bins and Gordon told SSL that Bolt's account contained in excess of US $12 million, the equivalent of which is $1.8 billion Jamaican dollars, as at October 31, 2022. So let me go ahead and read the letter. Dear Sir, Madam, we represent the Honorable Ambassador Usain St. Leo Bolt, a retired Olympian, and who we are instructed establish an account with you via a limited liability company, which account is in essence our client's self-designed pension. Our instructions are that up to the 31st day of October 2022, the balance standing to the said account was United States $12,758,181.74. We are now frighteningly instructed that mysteriously our client's said account has been depleted, leaving a balance of $12,047.65. If this is correct, and we are hoping it is not, then a serious act of fraud, larceny, or a combination of both have been committed against our client. For your part, we are demanding that you pay over to our client the said sum of United States $12,758,181.74 standing to his account on the 31st day of October 2022 as issued to him by you. We are demanding that this be done within the next 10 days, failing which we will take all legal actions against you and your directors, which action will include civil and criminal procedures. We hope and trust that it will not become necessary for us to proceed as stated herein, and we now look forward to hearing from you 
on or before the 27th of January 2023. Uh, signed Linton Gordon um, on behalf of Freta Ennison Gordon and copied on this letter the Most Honorable Mr. Andrew Holness, the doc- Dr. the Honorable Nigel Clark. Uh, Miss Darlene Morrison, who is uh, CD financial, financial Security, Mr. Richard Bowes, Governor of the Bank of Jamaica, Mr. Everton McFarlane, Executive Director of the Financial Services Commission. Um, Moments, did you say an LLC or an LLP? LLC. I have to go back to my business law. I'm Googling. Yes, who, yes, yes. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good question, yep. Jobet, because it's it, LLC, then um, they're not personally liable. I think that's why you were alluding to yep. versus an LLP. So LLC is considered a separate business entity, and it creates a financial barrier between the owner and the company. This means that the business creditors cannot go after an owner for his personal assets. So again, how are they going to recoup this money? Exactly. They can't. So, so um, isn't there, um, I'm assuming there's some kind of regulation um, there where you your money is insured. I'm glad you brought that up because I was just about to read um, this part again. The Securities Act states that a brokerage dealer, and this is in Jamaica, must have cover insurance, but does not stipulate the percentage of the account or amount. So it's similar to the JDIC, which is the Jamaica Depositors Insurance um, Coverage, just like the FDIC. No matter how much money you have in the account, you are, quote-unquote, guaranteed 200, is it 200 or $250,000. I'm not $250,000 here in the States. I'm not sure what the amount is in Jamaica. But even if that were the case, he would only be able to get back. 250,000. Let's say that was the case in Jamaica. You'd only be able to get that back. Yeah, but but moments. Yes. I did, but in Jamaica though, like the 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 banks that are operating, the assets have to be a certain percentage more than what um the bank itself. So so like a lot of these banks invest in I remember with Cash Plus, one of the reasons why Cash Plus went down is because the 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 assets that they were um thing was was um but cash plus I wasn't think, a bank you know no no but it was some type of investment and it operate the same way like a lot of these investment firm like eagle merchant bank up in this operate the same way workers bank what wa- wa- was trending in that direction where they were buying out hotels and they were buying assets that that um the amount of money that they're the intake of investment, the asset supposed to be like, I think about three or four times the value. So I believe that um, they can seize all the assets because the, these, these investment firms have to have assets. All right. So let me go back to that portion. Risk ratios are instructive here. Yeah. In Jamaica, capital to total assets should be 6%. Capital to adjusted assets should be 
The FSC's average benchmark as it pertains to capital risk-weighted assets is 14%. As of June 30, 2022, there were 37 companies licensed as securities dealers. Of those 37, how many have adequate capital ratios? There are many fine institutions in Jamaica that are not a part of this mess and, of course, will be distancing themselves. Um, real quick, let me jump over here. So Cash Plus um, was formerly owned by Carlos Hill. And as of May 24, 2017, he was freed of fraud charges in the long-running case against him in which thousands of depositors lost money in the unregulated fraud scheme he operated. Now, I'll say this. Cash Plus began back in 2002, promising people 120% run the next direction. Run the next direction. Any investment company, anybody, I tell us, man, we can give back 120%. Take your money and run. But here's what's, here's a part of the problem. And it's a big problem in Jamaica. Skyboxification. You know what that is? Do you know what skyboxification is? Everybody wants a glamorous life. Everybody wants to live big. Everybody wants to live in... Um, and, you know, I, I, I saw this um, over the weekend. And I remember turning to Marlon. I'm like, to Marlon and I'm saying, what? the hell is going on in Kingston? The rent is ridiculous. 2,500 US dollars a month for rent. For a two-bedroom. 1,500 US dollars a month for a one-bedroom apartment. When you look at the Jamaican value, you're seeing rent almost $500,000 a month. That's almost half a million dollars in rent a month. And people want to move into these apartments because they feel safer. These apartments usually have security at the gate. So they feel safer. But how are people affording these realistically? So skyboxification, everybody wants to live the glamorous life. Everybody wants to live in these luxury style apartments because it gives them a foreign vibe, feel like them, they're foreign. Everybody wants to be able to go to the Porsche dealership, the Porsche dealership that's there or the um, whichever dealerships are there courtesy of Appliance Traders Limited, ATL Group owned by the Butch Gordon family. Everybody wants to live that luxury lifestyle. Nobody no want to creep again. Nobody wants to creep. You know, I saw a video on TikTok and we laugh about it. Um, it's by this social media influencer, Marky Marklin, I think is his name. You know, he talks about where, where, where hard life I go, soft life me say, me want this, this, this and that, and me shouldn't have to work hard for it. But a soft life also leads to a soft behind. What you have to give up to get that soft life or morals or values or scruples, everything out the window for that soft life. You, you know, I think 
I think the government, especially the finance minister, is going to have his work cut out for him because you, you need, um, you know, the financial confidence. You need people to be like confident in terms of investing in the country. And this is just, I don't know, because what you read, like I heard you read something and, and it was saying in the letter, they were saying the $12 million was there like a year ago, right? Like a few months ago. That's what you read, right? Say that again, James. I'm sorry. Say that again. No, when you're reading the letter, one thing that that stood out to me is that, like you were saying, that the lawyers were saying on such day two, 2000, um, 2022, August 31st, the balance was... I'm sorry, October 31st, 2022. So how... Because this 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 is just... This don't make any sense. Like, I, I've always been involved like in investment companies in Jamaica. Like, I did Eagle, as I told you. I did the, the DBNG before they were sold out to Scotia. And when you go into those, if you're, if you're withdrawing anything over like a million dollars at the time, you have to jump through like a lot of hoops. And, and um, you can't just go in and just take money like that. It, it's, there, there's like almost like what you call like back in those days, like an a email thread. So like, it, it would have to go to the, the, the top of the company before a certain amount can come out of your account. Like, you can't just get a million dollars, like, and that was like 20 years ago. So, while companies like DBNG, um, um, DBNG in Scotia, like Scotia bought them out, while they were financial um, savvy and they were like, okay, they're going to put stuff in place, and that was 20 years ago. They're going to put stuff in place to, to, to make sure it's not easy to, to fraud from the inside or the outside. Why is it in 2022 um, you can withdraw thir like 12 million US dollars in, in the space of months? Yes. That's James, ridiculous. I, I do think there's a certain level of collusion. Uh, um, she alone didn't do it. She didn't do it. Unless, it's a heist. You understand? I, 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 I find it hard to believe too, but uh, if, if it's possible, she's really good. But I think there's some kind of... Um, it, it, it's not... She wasn't the only one who, who pulled this off. Mm -mm. You know? Clearly. Clearly. She's just a scapegoat is, is, is how I see it. Yeah. So I just want to um, bring us up to speed as far as JDIC is concerned, and the information is available on JDIC.org. So what is J um what is the JDIC? What is a deposit insurance? Let me let me put it that way. It is a safety net set up primarily to protect depositors in case their bank or other insured financial institution fails or is unable to make payments on deposits. Under the Dep Deposit Insurance Act of 1998, the Jamaica Deposit Insurance Corporation, JDIC, is vested with the responsibility to manage the scheme governed by this act. Under the scheme, insurance premiums are paid into the deposit um, insurance fund by policyholders, that is, financial institutions covered by the scheme. Resources from the fund are used to reimburse depositors' claims in the event of failure or non-viability of the policyholder. The scheme provides a formal system for the government to deal with problems that may arise in the financial sector, promote confidence in the financial sector, and encourage savings. Jamaica is among countries such as Canada, Trinidad and Tobago, Germany, and the United States of America, the United Kingdom, Venezuela, and India 
that have established deposit insurance schemes. So when does deposit insurance coverage start? Which is a good question. Once you open an account with one of our 11 member institutions, you are automatically covered under the deposit insurance scheme. So in other words, from day one. Do I have to pay the deposit insurance premium? No. Each member institution who is the policyholder will contribute to the deposit insurance fund through annual premiums. Now, the next question is, what happens if my insured institution fails? In this case, the JDIC will pay depositors as soon as possible. In any event, JDIC must pay the insured sum within three months of the failure of the institution. If not, the corporation pays interest, but only after the three months have passed. Right? So if this company, and I'm not saying they are because I don't know, if they are insured, there is a three-month wait anyway. Uh, what's another thing here? Let me bear with me one second. I'm trying to see what else they have. Um, what other information we have access to? Okay, so that is it. Now, in terms of the dollar amount, I'm trying to find out. Bear with me one second. What is them? Okay, here we go. Um, individual accounts. These accounts represent funds that are owned by an individual and deposited in one or more deposit accounts in a financial institution in his or her name only. These account balances were held in the same policyholder or insured member institution uh, are added together. So you could have 10 accounts. They're going to group them into one. They're added together and insured up to the maximum deposit insurance coverage limit of $1.2 million. Um, so in Bold's case or in any other investor's case, in this scenario, if SSL was insured with the JDIC, all he technically is liable to get back is 1.2 million Jamaican dollars. All right. Yeah. You know what I find interesting too? Because, you know, I heard that, you know, the opposition leader, because, you know, as I said, he... He had um, ownership in DBNG and Scotia bought them out. Um, I heard that he has that investment, some investmenting um, in Cayman Islands or one of those islands, and that the prime minister money is is in his company. So one of the things that we always talk about is that like with Caribbean and African countries, where leaders don't keep their money in the country and leaders don't use the hospitals, like they fly to to to, to Florida or fly some outside of the country to get, you know, surgery that they're not confident that they can get in their own country. And yeah, like that doesn't give them any incentive to fix the system. And I think we need to start holding them accountable because- But yeah, James, in, in let me ask you a question, James. Shouldn't somebody be free to um, have an account wherever they want in the world? No, but but the same the same way how you can be a prime minister with um, a Canadian um, American um, um, book right passport i think that as the leader of of the country 
you, you, you have to show confidence because if you're not confident enough to, to invest your money, because remember, like, I'm guilty of it too, of like cursing out um, the ISAs and, and, and a lot of these investors that come and, and don't feel confident enough to keep their money in Jamaica. And they're laughing now, right? Because like people probably wondering like, why bold um, money was in Cayman somewhere? You know, but probably he's thinking like, you know what? I want to invest back in my country. I want to, to keep my, I, I want to be confident. I'm, I'm an ambassador. This is where I'm going to keep my money. And this is what he gets for it. You yeah. know, so like, for, for me, like, I can't blame him now if he, if he pull off one of the Merlin Artie thing and just, you know, you can't blame him. What is the Merlin Artie thing? Can you explain for those of us who don't know? No, just, 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 um, just quit on Jamaica and say, like, I'm going to take my talent somewhere else. I have to make back that, that $12 million, you know? Um, you know, it, it, to make on, back that, that the $12 jersey. million? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. Go ahead, yeah, James. No, no, I'm saying, like, you know, the next Olympic, like, so come out of retirement and probably go run for America. You know what? I, I don't think he is. Here's, here's my personal opinion. I don't think Bolt is a fool. I really don't think he is, that he would have put every penny in Jamaica. I really don't think he is. And I don't think, even if he has all his money in Jamaica... I don't think he has every penny in just one place. You can't put all your eggs in one basket. Everybody, well, let me not make an assumption. You can't do that. Word of wisdom, my word of advice, um, whether you're wealthy, rich, trying to get there, now have nothing. You cannot put all your money in one place. That's the number one rule. Number one uh, rule. Yes. Nor did he make all the money from. What? Nor, did, nor did he make what? all the money from the Olympics. He he had endorsements, tons of endorsements. That's where his money is from, right, Rosolo? Did we lose Rosolo, or does it me? Go ahead. Okay, Rosolo, we're not hearing you. Kevrock, go ahead. No, I was saying he gets like nine million US dollars from Puma annually. Right. Right. Um, plus other endorsements. So I, I, I'm not saying that it's nothing, but I think in the long run he'll be fine. I think Jamaica um, regulatory bodies lessons should be learned yes. um, from this and put things in place for the common investor. Um, lessons learned, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> um, due, due diligence, and if you can, if you if you have enough money and you want to spread it around the world, spread it. Exactly. I you don't know? knock anybody who wants to invest in other. I mean, put their money in other um, countries. As a matter of fact, I strongly endorse it. If you can take well, your I think money, both will be fine. Yeah, if you can take your money to the Cayman Islands, Barbados, any other island, take your money. I, I do not begrudge anyone who does it. Quite frankly, it's being smart. It's called diversifying your portfolio. Morning, morning, morning. Good morning, Prezi. Question. Was was it um just Bolt that was the only victim? No, there are between 30 to 40 people. So so it would basically be in excess of 12 million. Are the amount that right. was withdrawn from exactly. their Exactly. But what they're focusing on is they, they, they highlighted both. 
It's him that I highlight, right? Um, yeah. And you know something, I'm not going to say they should highlight the others because truth be told, some people would rather to remain unknown because you know how Jamaican state, they will target you. Some but what about the politician then? Who, who have the money, what money in there? What I mean, they, why, why are those names not being yeah, but what if, because public figures too, Yeah, right? but here's the thing. They don't have to have their names publicized. I can say to an investment company, I don't want the public knowing my business. Okay, but wouldn't the same go for Bold then? Well, we don't know. What if he's he's the one that wanted it publicized? You see what I'm saying? That point. Yeah. I personally would not want my name out there. Because me I walk and tell everybody say me broke and then all of a sudden my name come up and then here say me have 12 million US dollars. Then I'm gonna say whoa whoa whoa. You know, we have to understand to Kevrock that sometimes the less people know about you and the simpler you live your life is the longer you live. I get I get it. I get it. But I I, I just uh, the big question I guess forgive me if it was mentioned before I spoke now about <laughs> No, that's okay. Go ahead. I, I just I just wondering you know, why the politicians who are there, their their names were not publicized just like Bolt. This is just a curious question. Um it maybe it's a rhetorical question too, but just one that popped up mm-hmm. it keep popping up in my head yeah i understand the question i understand but i'm I'm, i'm what i just did was to put on my banking hat from when i worked in banking kevrock and by right you can't you publicize people's information without their permission you know so I'm thinking like a banker (laughs) i think only because it's bold as well i mean you know being in the public i already i mean i mean he's basically public so i mean i don't think i mean well i i don't want to assume i say something like this would remain private but given you know you know his stature i mean so so here's where me also do a present yeah. So for me, for example, sorry to cut you off, but for me, for example, if I have um, a, a, a salary that is bringing in um, whatever amount, 50000 a year, for example, right? Mm. And um, my side gives giving me another 70000 <clears throat> 70, right? And then, you, and then you look in my account, you see $100 million, right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be questionable? And my spouse is bringing in another 20000 Wouldn't it be kind of questionable to, to have that amount of money in the case of the politician? So maybe 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 they don't want their name to be publicized. Maybe it's intentional because there's a whole slew of other questions that might be asked mm. where that is concerned. And I'm going to throw the monkey wrench in there, right? What if they have companies, private companies that they're earning additional income and, from? And that's what I'm saying to you. That right. is totally fine, but that is only bringing me $20,000 over the past 15 years. Right, right. Um, yeah. yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because to be honest, I would, I would, I would look for final number sin i think sin let me close sin's mic for her i think it yeah i don't think she realizes so we go ahead Prezi. go ahead no i was saying i would definitely love to hear like a final um figure right 
to hear what that final figure was or is based on the amount that was um you know removed from the respective accounts just to get an idea because i'm thinking suppose you have um you know an account holder that may have more than 12 million that would do from the account so it would be interesting to see you know how all of this play out and if they'll reveal any other um you know victims um essentially in the end so let me tell you something hey i'm sorry Percy. i'm so sorry but i'm really looking at this thing again she um panton okay so her past that the statement suggests that her financial burden increased during the COVID 19 pandemic and income from ssl decreased uh, she was unable to repay the funds and continued to take some for various purposes. She also admits to using various mechanisms to take money from clients. For example, she would edit a customer's email in an email thread, and this email would provide consent to sell their shares and disburse the payments to the respective bearer. She didn't do that in the office. She must have done that at home. No way she could have done that in her office. She says she would also make a request to the asset management team. Oh, okay, and let me back up a second. If she did that in the office, now this speaks to all um financial inst- Hold on a second, Donald. This speaks to all financial institutions having to put in the system where they can monitor your screen. I can I can watch your screen, see everything that you're doing blase blase right so if they don't have that in place i would invite all financial institutions to implement this on every single computer screen um whether it is a laptop or a desktop okay that is distributed to an employee in the financial institution all right let me continue uh she admits to using various mechanisms okay so the email we covered that she would edit an, a customer's email in an email thread, and this email would provide consent to sell their shares and disburse the payments to the respective bearer. She says she would also make a request to the asset management team for approval of the sale. The accounting team would then approve and make the payment. Okay, so remember when I said um, that from my experience you have to present letter you have to present all the documents to someone above you to get the approval so she knew she was she was doing that she knew what she had to do because she now turned it over to the accounting team and the accounting team based on what is presented to her which is in line with all the required docs approved and um made the payment once the shares are sold, the individual would request a check for the funds to be paid to one of four bearers. Those bearers were independent of Stocks and Securities Limited. The bearers would be issued the checks by SSL, the accounting department, and then they would visit the bank, the, which is a commercial bank, whether, um, for example, NCB, BNS, whatever. The funds would be de- then would be delivered to Jean Panton. So she's probably telling the bearers, bring it to me and I'll get it to the clients. According to the client relationship manager, she stole from the accounts of nearly 40 people, amounts totaling just under US $900,000 or Jamaican $138 million. She says she also stole 
18 million dollars from other accounts and she also claims that had the sums remained untouched the total value of those accounts would be us 4 million and over jamaican 90 million go right ahead donald thank you for your patience yeah um looking at this thing it's kind of shocking to me first of all if you look at it as an individual actor that means for she to get away with that, the company has to have incredibly lapsed internal controls. Because even if you're looking at the quantity of transactions, the volume of the transactions she's doing, if you look at the frequency of transactions, there are so much red flags there. And there has to be verification over certain thresholds and so on. So I see it very difficult for an individual to pull something like that with so many different clients, so many different transactions no matter what email she edit or not. As a financial institution in that line of business, you have to be able to flag and catch something like that before it goes so far out. So it means either somebody wasn't doing their job, like a lot of people wasn't doing their jobs because you have different um, departments, you have different um, managers, you have different approval standards. So something has to be really off internally for her to put it off. Alternatively, there could be collusion, but even in collusion, the right people have to collude. So, from an operation perspective, it's a difficult thing to see happening just like that. But I don't like, I don't want to go out on a tangent to talk about Jamaica because we speak a lot about investing in other countries and stuff like that. Come on, financial institutions fails for one reason or another and don't behave as though somehow it's because it's Jamaica or the Caribbean that it's somehow some mediocre standard and so no mm -hmm. Enron crashed the world <laughs> yes. you understand the uh the Madoffs and all of them you have people like Sanford in Antigua with a Ponzi scheme I mean it happens every day if you look at the Panama Papers and Snowden and all the information that comes out it's a whole lot of people out there doing a lot the wrong things so i don't want us to use this opportunity because bolt is and yes they highlight bolt because he's the highest profile client because not even the prime minister has the profile that bolt has Facts. internationally right and but i don't want us to use that to to go down the rabbit hole and blaming oh you should invest your money elsewhere and stuff he did the right thing by investing the money back in his country he did the right thing by taking a chance but so so did million of americans investing in Enron and in all other of the other Ponzi schemes and all the, the other people that st stole their money and stuff like that, crash markets. So it is an unfortunate situation and it's an institution that didn't do what they have to do. And yes, it led down Jamaica, but I want us to be careful about the narrative we put out there because this has a damaging narrative for does not Jamaica, but the Caribbean on a whole. And the powers that be would use it to ensure they get all the mileage to show lack of confidence in our um, financial institutions. And if you look through the pandemic, the Caribbean as a whole have done above average compared to the rest of the world. The banks are usually liquid, they're usually secured. Those level of fraud don't usually happen that I'm aware of. So we have to be careful. Mm -hmm. It happens. Financial institution fails. There was either some extremely weak internal controls or there was collusion or 
a group of people was involved at the highest level. Either way, let us take it as a lesson, let us take it as something where we can tighten our, our oversights and stuff like that and not get too carried away with the whole story of incompetent Caribbean institutions. That's right. all I have to say. Right. Thank you. Thank you for your um, comment. Agreed. Uh, go ahead, James, and then James, and then Sin, and then we're going to move on to the next one. No. Oh, it's a vet. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry. No. Me. Let's end on the positive note. Let's end on the positive note. <laughs> we have good news coming up. <laughs> James, go right ahead. Uh, one minute, and then on to Sin. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was saying, I was saying this is a bit different from like um, Stanford and a lot of those, the Ponzi scheme. This is, you know, someone inside the, the, the investment firm walking out with $12 million. And uh, as I said, like I keep saying, it, it's puzzling because like even DBNG, as I, as I mentioned a couple of times, like I remember. And for those who don't well, know, like DBNG is Daring, Bunting and Golding. Yeah, I was in. Yeah, when you talk about the whole email um, thing, like, that's just crazy because, like, even I was in Bermuda at one point and I wanted, like, a million dollars because I was doing some building. And I tried to access that money from Bermuda and it would not happen. I had to jump on a plane, fl fly to Jamaica, um, and it took me, like, five or six days. So, you know, that... You think that type of money, you'd have to be in person, like UCN Bolt would have to show up there, not, not his investment manager, not his wife, not his, not his mother, not his father. He would have to show up there because that's the process that I had to go through. Like I couldn't pass on um, information to people in Jamaica that was doing the project for me. I had to fly to Jamaica, spend six days, go inside, stand up in front of people, show my ID, do all these type of stuff and fly back to Bermuda. So, it, yeah, it, it's just mind-blowing. <laughs> All right. So, Sam. Hey, James, if I should, James, if I should address, just one sec. If I should address what you said. Yes, you're saying it is different because one person walk away with $12 million or so. I am saying, unless there is some extremely lapsed internal control, it is almost impossible for one person to walk away with that kind of money that easily. And I'm saying, that's what we hear, and the blame is on that person now. Let's look and see what happened. I cannot see it possible that one person pull a heist like that, that easily, unless the company was asleep. All right. Thank you so much, Donald and James. Sin, I know you've been patient. Please go right ahead. It's okay. Just really quick. Um, I, I hope these victims get their money back, and that's sad, and I agree. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, more than one person involved, so everyone should um, be held accountable that was involved. And even if they turned a blind eye, because maybe sometimes just because you benefit doesn't mean you're involved, but if you have some sort of indirect benefit, you should be held to account. But what I wanted to say is most people don't need um, a financial advisor. Hmm. Um, there's books that you could read if anyone wants book recommendations and there's podcasts. There's so many um, resources out there. Financial advisors take, you know, about 2% of your earnings, um, which is to me, you know, it, they're not doing anything that you can't do out there automatically. 
right? The information is there. Now, money coaches is different. I do think that in some cases, um, I've benefited from like coaching services or something like that to kind of get get me together as far as like my finances and, and things like that. But there's apps now, there's different things. So I, I want to hear less and less of these stories about people being scammed by their financial advisors because in actuality, nobody really needs a financial advisor. They just take um, a, a high percentage when most ETFs, it's like 0.5% uh, fee. So you just invest in an ETF and they just charge you 0.5, whereas a financial advisor is going to buy the same ETF for you and charge you off the top almost 2%. So that doesn't make any sense. So if you do the math, financial advisor just in this day and age when you can just invest in ETFs and um, index funds, that's all they do. They don't do any magic and you don't want them to do any magic because you want like a solid um return every year seven eight percent you shouldn't want more than that anyone promising you more than that that's a red flag run so <laughs> yeah so yeah. seven eight percent is great and you're not gonna get seven eight percent every year you can't guarantee that but if your money could grow seven eight percent trust me you're in good shape and all the, all the stuff on IG, people making all this money and stuff, is a lie. So <laughs> preach it, um, sin. Tell them. <laughs> yeah, that that's my spiel. Thank you so much, sin. You are so right. Okay, and Donna. Um, I, res I, I respectfully disagree <laughs> with that with that point of view. Okay. The point is, yes, we can all learn and manage our own portfolio and stuff but that's like saying i don't need a painter because i can paint so why pay all that money for a painter to paint my house when to tell you the truth there is nothing they can do that i cannot do on youtube or something like that we also want to look at the opportunity cost of people time if both is busy making money yes he can get financial coach and stuff to help him but does he really want to go and learn about etfs and all the financial instruments and where to invest and how best to invest when you could take a professional who does that pay them a fee and the fee that you would pay them probably would be less than if you the time you spend trying to do it yourself because you could be earning more money so i'm not saying everyone needs a financial advisor but in some cases it might be more prudent to hire a professional in that area even if you have your financial coach to ensure that you're doing things the right way and you're keeping them in check. So it may not, it's not a best fit for all, but some people, I would argue, would be better off with the financial Okay, good point, Donnell. I see what you're saying. Now, if we want to meet in the middle between what Sin has mentioned and what you are saying, this is what I will say. You may not have the time. There may be time constraints because you're busy. But it suits you to make yourself aware. While you are on that private jet going to your next destination, educate yourself. So that when you're speaking with someone that you are going to entrust with your finances, they will realize that, oh, okay, there is some awareness. So you know what? I may not be able to play around with this person's money. Right? You're going to paint a house 
you can do it, but it's going to be time consuming. But if you go online and do some research and you know what the prepping is going to involve, what it's, um, the how long it should take, blase, blase, and you can do some rough calculations for cost. When you go out there to recruit somebody to do the work for you, you have an idea and you can better negotiate with them. And they are aware that, okay, this person knows what they're about. It's just that they don't have the time and the approach that they're going to come with is going to be different. So you may not have the time folks to manage it yourself, but if you're going to take on a manager, let that manager know that you are educated about it to some degree, at least, and that you're going to keep tabs on them, keep tabs on them. The next point I want to make before going on to the, um, next article is client responsibility client responsibility it is your responsibility to stay on top of your finances now i understand that you may be getting bank statements being sent to you but let this be a learning lesson it doesn't hurt every once in a while to do a pop-up at that financial institution it doesn't hurt based on your status especially in the case of bold you wouldn't be dealing with somebody um at the counter level you're going to want to talk to the the manager and you're going and okay come on pull up my account let me see what's going on right i remember there was this man what's his name his hair was all over the place i, I was working at citibank in boca raton at the time his hair would be all over the place he's a black guy into boxing what's his name don king. don king every now and again he would come in the branch every now and again and he had a partner who was filthy stinking rich that man came in there one day and said want see money <laughs> and the manager was like we don't keep your cash here he's like you have three days to get all my money here i want to see my money and i'm not saying go to that extreme but don't be afraid to do pop-ups at your financial institutions especially if you're an investor you want to see your money walk with your statements because there has to be a mess up at some point because she's creating she was creating emails creating documents go in and i guarantee you the person you're talking to the manager of the branch or whoever the ceo will say so hey how is that investment coming along you took out some money the other day and you're like took out some money I don't take out any money. I didn't take out any money. You can't be too busy to check on your money. You cannot. First rule of banking, trust no one. Trust no one. Make the time to follow up on your investments. This is a learning lesson for everybody who was lax or was not, you know, up on top of things or took things for granted. I told y'all, me not have no money, but every morning me check my bank account because if one penny missing, I'm on the phone. Where's my money? It's my money, not yours. So you have to re... <laughs> You have to report to me where my money is. And that's the approach. The banks work for you. You don't work for them. Financial institutions work for you. You don't work for them. They need your 
money. They need you more than you need them. You better believe that. But we don't think like that. We have given them so much power. All right? So let us um, stay on top of our finances. <laughs> You're so right, Javette made a very valid point. That is why I still prefer my statements to be in paper. PDFs can be changed. You are absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Okay, so uh, Jamaica's finance minister shocked at evil fraud at SSL, courtesy of jamaica.loopnews.com. Finance Minister Dr. Nigel Clark has reacted to the alleged fraud that is unraveling at investment firm Stocks and Securities Limited by expressing shock and anger at the development, which he also described as evil. He said, like all Jamaicans, I am in shock and I feel a profound level of anger and disgust at the alarming and excuse me, evil fraud that has allegedly been committed and which is the source of public discussion and anxiety at this time. Clark's statement came on the heels of the opposition's People's National Party, calling on the government to break its silence on the matter. Recording artist Baby Sham criticizing government ministers for not speaking out and a letter written to SSL on Monday by the law firm Fraser, Bins and Gordon. Jamaica's finance minister shocked. Yeah, okay, good. Next. Um, FSC is to hold a press conference today. And I want to believe that it's probably going on. It's going on or probably ended. After facing criticism about the level of oversight it has been providing in respect of non-deposit-taking institutions like SSL, which is at the center of the fraud investigation, the Financial Services Commission has signaled that it will be hosting a press conference this morning. The announcement follows the 10-day ultimatum given um, by Bolt's lawyers. Uh, the law firm of Fraser, Bins & Gordon has given the investment firm until January 27 to return the money. Um, yeah, so let, let me just do a quick check here to see if we have an update as far as the press conference is concerned. I don't know if anybody wants to go ahead and make any comments while I pull it up. Yeah, I, I was wondering, could they be held liable too? Because what I found interesting in some of the news that came out yesterday is that they, there have been red flags for the past 10 years. So that would line up with the time when boat money went in. There were investigations going on. It wasn't satisfactory. Um, but like their excuse is that that by law they cannot make their finding um, public. So I'm saying that like there are people there there there's some party shop thing going on within that 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 organization. You as the governing body knew about this ten years ago, um, but by law you cannot um, say anything to the public. So people keep putting their money in this organization and now you know this happened so i'm wondering if, if they can be held accountable to for some of this because i don't know there, there there should be a way like if you know it's just like a restaurant business right if if if, if you run a restaurant um health inspector which are governing body come into your organization and realize that something fishy is going on 
they're going to give you like a red sticker. Couldn't a red sticker be placed on that organization and say, look, we, we don't have enough information to go in and to take over, to charge them, but a red sticker, like go in at your own risk. And I think moving forward, these are some of the things that government are going to, the government's going to have to, the finance minister is going to have to do, you know, check on these companies more often, grade them, make the finding public so that investors um, do their due, due, due diligence and, you know, see that, look, okay, like you walk to a restaurant and, and, and the, the, the red sticker is right on the front, eat at your own risk, right? Same thing. Like you go online, you're searching for investment firms, you see like, a, 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 you know, a yellow or a red flag um, and you're like, oh, okay, let me go check someone with a blue flag, right? Or a green flag. So, yeah, they're, they're going to have to do something better. Okay, um, ay, ay, hold on one second, folks. What is today? The 18th, right? Um, we, I went on YouTube. Hold on, let me see if this is it here. Hold on, let me hear what's going on. The meltdown of SSL is a dominant topic for commentary. Yes. <laughs> Trust only God says liquidated the... assets. Okay, so I went to TVJ. TVJ said head over to Nationwide on um, stocks. No good. on YouTube yeah. because the press um, conference is there. Griffiths. It's not there. Okay, well, I whatever. I guess I'll get the recording another time. Okay, so I'll follow up on that. Well, we, you know, all isn't lost. We have some good news. We have, we have some good news. I in a mood right now. Said we ready. I can't work. Shaggy announces Soka EP performance at Kez the Bands is We Concert. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. Shaggy is doing a Soka EP. Speaking at a press conference to promote Kez the Bands is We Carnival Concert, the Grammy Award winner announced the album. Shaggy, who has a Soka collaboration with Kez, the band frontman, he's, can't pronounce his last name, called Mood, said the album will also feature Soka artists such as Patrice Roberts, Bungie Garland, and a Skinny Fabulous. There has been a lot of discussion about Soka's breakthrough to become a mainstream genre, particularly in Jamaica. Asked about his thoughts on Soka's rise, Shaggy said he thinks there is a good feeling about it. From my experience in music and taking music to a global level, the hybrid is where it is. There is no new music in its natural form that will break through unless it is fused with something else, he said, illustrating his own career and music. To me, having a track that is soca infused is definitely the recipe to break barriers and crossover. Shaggy will be among the guest performers at Is We. He said their song Mood began as a track for his Christmas album, 
Christmas in the Islands, but it had such a feel-good vibe that it made him go in another direction. Ah, I like it. that one shaggy so shaggy is breaking down those barriers in the caribbean going soca i'm here for it yeah let's see where he takes this sometimes you can't want to take the cussing and the ungratefulness for so much and no more we gotta take a quick break when we return we do have stories um where are we? Where are we? We just finished Caribbean Corner. I'm sorry, I went black. We have stories from the international scene, uh, out of North America, and so much more. Keep it locked. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. By the way, it is hashtag WCW Woman. We are celebrating women today. Every Wednesday, we play the songs by women, sung by women. Enjoy. is Nocera. Yeah, takes you back to the 80s, right? <laughs> Gotta say thank you to everyone listening online on janoradio.com and QMZ radio.com thank you to everyone here with me on clubhouse where the conversation happens it is hashtag wcw we celebrate women today we're taking you back to the 80s and 90s yep that's what we're doing you back to the days of um peplum skirts and those thick leg warmers and your hair all curly this is for the ladies uh neon colors uh bleached out jeans what else was the fashion back then
take you back even further with this one from Patti LaBelle. This is the original Lady Marmalade. From one hit to another, here is the group The Emotions with Best of My Love. See, Chili, you weren't born yet. These are the good songs we grew up on. Janet Jackson first. I think this is more Chili's age group, Pleasure Principle. Just want to say thank you once again to everyone listening on the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. For quality music while you work or play, remember to keep it logged on to www.QMZRadio.com for that good music to get you through your day.
Download the Jano Radio app, J-A-H-K-N-O. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Jano Radio, take us on the go. Thank you to everyone listening online. Appreciate you. Every Monday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, it is Days After Dark. Real Relationship Talk, live on JanoRadio.com, QMZRadio.com. And if you want to be a part of the conversation, join us on Clubhouse. Every Monday, 10 p.m. Eastern. This one from the Mary Jane Girls. We're going to get back to business. News from the international scene. Keep it locked.
Thank you, everyone, here with me on Clubhouse. Of course, this is where the conversation happens. I appreciate you all. It's time for us to get back to business. And our first story on the international scene, courtesy of the Associated Press via WSBN Miami. Kiev helicopter crash kills 18 and top Ukraine officials are dead. A helicopter crash in a Kiev suburb on Wednesday morning killed 18 people, including Ukraine's interior minister and three children. This is according to Ukrainian authorities. There was no immediate word on whether the crash was an accident or a result of the war with Russia. No fighting has been reported recently in the Kiev area. The interior minister, his deputy, and Secretary, uh, State Secretary of the Ministry of Internal Affairs were among those killed. Uh, Dennis, who was in charge of the Ukrainian police and other emergency services, is the most senior Ukrainian official to have died since the start of the war with Russia almost 11 months ago. The crash came just four days after a Russian missile strike on an apartment building in southeastern Ukraine killed 45 civilians, including six children, the deadliest attack on civilians since the spring. Haven't had time to recover from one tragedy, and here comes another one. That's according to the deputy head of the Ukrainian presidential office. Our next story, courtesy of CNN Politics. U.S. preps another major Ukraine aid package, but Kiev pleads for tanks. The U.S. is expected to announce one of its largest military aid um, packages for Ukraine in the coming days. In according, I'm sorry. Okay, so the U.S. is expected to announce one of its largest military aid packages for Ukraine in the coming days, according to two U.S. Officials familiar with the plans, but Kiev has been pleading for modern tanks, a request the U.S. is not yet willing to grant, despite the United Kingdom and Poland saying they will. So far, the U.S. has appeared resistant to sending them. Even though the U.K. and other key allies are preparing to send tanks, that could make a crucial difference in the war as Kiev braces for a possible large-scale Russian counteroffensive. The U.K. has already announced it will send 12 of their Challenger 2 tanks to Ukraine, heralding a new phase in the international effort to arm Kiev and cross what had previously appeared to be a red line for the U.S. and its European allies. Our next story, we head on over to the continent. Out of Gambia, Gambian vice president dies after short illness in India. Story courtesy of Al Jazeera. The Gambia's vice president, Badara Juf, has died of illness in India. President Adama Barrow said this morning, Juf was 65 years old. He was appointed vice president of the West African country in 2022. He previously served as education minister from 2017 to 2022. Barrow said on Twitter that Juf had died after a short illness without providing further details, including when he died. The vice president had left the Gambia about three weeks ago to seek medical treatment and had not been seen in public for months before the trip. Juf was the fourth deputy to serve under Barrow since his historic win in 2016 against former strongman Yaha Jameh and swearing in the following year, and the second since the president won re-election in 2021. The late vice president previously worked in the Gambian civil service and later in the World Bank 
as an education specialist for West and Central Africa, transmitting his experience there to his time as Minister of Higher Education, Research, Science and Technology. Also in Africa, onto Ghana, aid groups urge debt cancellation to ease Ghana's economic woes. This story is also courtesy of Al Jazeera. More than two dozen aid and campaign groups have called for international creditors to cancel a large portion of Ghana's debts as it struggles to contend with an economic crisis. Ghana's consumer inflation rose to a record 54% year-on-year in December, driven by rising fuel, utility and food costs. International reserves have dwindled to less than two months of import cover. The people of Ghana have suffered extensively from the crisis. The groups, which all have operations in Ghana, said in an open letter on Wednesday. Wealthy private lenders must share in the costs of a crisis they helped to create and cancel the debt. The government asked to restructure its bilateral debt under the G20 Common Framework Platform, which was launched in 2020 to help coordinate debt reprofiling and restructuring. This month, after announcing it would default on most of its external debt at the end of last year. Ghana is expected to miss a $41 million interest payment due on a $1 billion euro bond on Wednesday. That's according to the Ministry of Finance. All right, that wraps up our stories from the international scene and now for stories out of North America. Okay, so let me check the chat real quick. I see. Uh, Okay. Rick says. uh, Okay, Rick, hold on. You got to tell us more. Rick Sanchez says, this one I recorded, Mary Jane Girls. Got to tell me more. Now you have me interested. Somebody just opened their bike. Go right ahead. Who opened? No, I'm sorry. I was going to tell you what Rick said on the um, in the chat. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I'm just. Sonette said, Rick, that's awesome. Javette said, I always love that song. So, Rick, are you able to come and tell us a little more about that? We're sending you an invite. We want to hear more about that. You can bridge the gap between now and then. Well, the the old man on Clubhouse is still a little relevant then. <laughs> 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 Go right ahead, Rick. So I, I was, you know, lucky enough to get a uh, to work in the music business in the '70s and the '80s, and uh, got the opportunity to uh, work with a lot of great artists. And uh, I did five albums with with Rick James and and Stone City Band and Mary Jane Girls and Tina Marie and. Uh, a lot of that stuff so it was a lot of fun and and uh they were wonderful women and great singers and uh they had a lot of fun working so it was it was nice to hear that one again (laughs) well i'm glad you came in on a great day yes normally on a wednesday um we do play songs from women um the music you'll hear in this space is very eclectic it's um not just one genre we play pretty much everything in here and sometimes we like to take it back to the 80s and the 90s. That I, w- I want to say those decades were the decades of real good music. Young people now will challenge that, you know, of course. 
that's expected but it's nice to have you in here thank you for coming we appreciate you stopping by um we invite you to click on the greenhouse at the top of the screen and join the club and please come by don't be a stranger not sure if anyone yeah, has any I have questions it. <laughs> it's a, it's it's a great it's a great room and i really enjoy it and i get uh, to hear news that i don't often hear i'm in california so it's uh it's nice to hear some different voices. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Anybody has any questions for him before I get back to business? I want to know if Rick has recorded my B song yet. Oh, Rick, that's from Sonet. <laughs> ah, theme song. Which one is that? No, no, the, the B song. We did it in the chat GPT room. Oh. <laughs> no, but I would love to uh, send me the lyrics. All right, I'm going to send it to you again with chords and everything. All right, anybody else? Thank you, Sada. Anybody else has any questions before we get back to business? And I'm going to so go I ahead, Javette. Go right ahead. I love me some Tina Marie. Can you tell me how you felt on um, producing music for her? She has such a wonderful voice. Well, you, you know, she uh, was just remarkable, you know, and... and uh, we just lost great way, way too early, and uh, it's a sad thing. I'm probably going into a dead area here, so I probably... And he's in the dead. Wonderful. Okay. okay. We, yeah, we lost him. We lost him. All right, so um, just in case he's able to come back. Dr. Keisha, thank you so much for putting this in the chat. Um. Thank you for this room. Regarding the helicopter crash, I'm glad there were survivors that made it to the hospital. I will be having Doctors Without Borders on the app on Friday discussing the outreach in Ukraine. Uh, Dr. Keisha, what room are you... Is it going to be in the medical collective or is it... Um, which room are you going to have it in? You're going to be hosting them in. If you don't mind, if you're not able to come on stage, can you put it in the chat for me? Frontliners. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, we have to be grateful whenever there are survivors in any situation, right? Um, it's okay. So let me just double check here. If you click on her yeah. profile, you'll see it. <laughs> yeah, I, okay, got it. So it's 6 p.m. on the 20th, which is Friday. Heroes Abroad Doctors Without Borders in Dr. Keisha's room. And uh, Dr. Keisha's is, Dr. Keisha is one of our supporters, uh, the Frontliners Club. So um, click on her profile, click on the um, bell so that you can definitely join in on that conversation. All right. Thank you so much appreciate it no no worries dr keisha no worries all right so for stories out of north america polar bear kills woman boy in remote alaska village story courtesy of the associated press uh, a polar bear has attacked and killed two people in a remote village in western alaska according to state troopers alaska state troopers said they received the report of the attack at 2 30 p.m tuesday in wales on the western tip of Seawood Peninsula. Initial reports indicate that a polar bear had entered the community and had chased multiple residents. The bear fatally attacked an adult female and juvenile male. Next up, 
uh, courtesy of WSVN Miami, thousands of migrant children enroll in Miami-Dade County schools. Thousands of migrant children are now set for school after surviving a harrowing journey to South Florida. The recent migrant crisis has created an unexpected wave of students enrolling in Miami-Dade schools. The increase has been significant, particularly in middle and high schools. But Miami-Dade Superintendent Dr. Jose de Tres said no classroom in the county is over capacity. We've been through this before, he said. As migrants make their way to the U.S., many are ending up in South Florida. And with that, new student enrollments are on the rise. And which schools are impacted the most? Which schools are receiving a significant number of students that may require us to make adjustments? And so, this moment, we're not seeing the necessity for that. According to the district, close to 10,000 students have enrolled from countries like Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela. The biggest spike are Cuban-born students, 4,000 more so far this year compared to the previous school year. Receiving additional students will place higher demands on us to make sure that we hire additional teachers. We hire all the time, and so it is difficult. All right. Well, I am glad that they're not going to be left abandoned, not be, meaning they're going to have the opportunity to continue to learn. They already have enough going on, right? So I'm sure them being in school, being enrolled, will be a well-needed distraction. And I just want to say I wish them all the best as their families seek new opportunities here in this country. I think someone opened their mic. Go right ahead. It, it was me. Okay. And I it was me. I agree as well, but I'm wondering, are these the ones they let in or are these the ones that are still stuck at the border or stuck in like captivity places? You know, I'm not sure because the article doesn't say at all, uh, Javette, but I'm sure if we do some digging, we can find out. Um, and I know probably more than likely on Channel 7 here in Miami, we're going to be hearing more about it. So I'll be better informed to provide more details. And as you mentioned, um, stuck at the border, has anybody heard anything about the children that were separated from parents and family members? I know some were sent to um, Florida. Have they been reconnected? Because we haven't heard, I know there was a big uproar and people were upset. And then, you know, in typical fashion, seven-day news, we haven't heard anything further. Anybody has any details on that or any updates on that? No, something else to add to our research. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so Ron DeSantis, the president of Florida, proposes policy permanently banning COVID-19 vaccine and mask requirements and other pandemic mitigation measures in Florida. Story courtesy of CNN. Florida Republican Governor uh, Ron DeSantis on Tuesday announced a policy proposal banning many pandemic mitigation efforts involving mask mandates and vaccine requirements in the state. The proposal would permanently prohibit COVID-19 vaccine passports in Florida, prohibit Florida schools from instituting COVID-19 vaccine or mask requirements, forbid businesses in the state from requiring masks, and bar employers from hiring or firing based on mRNA jabs. 
When the world lost its mind, Florida was a refuge of sanity, serving strongly as Florida's, as freedom's linchpin. That's what he said in a news release. These measures will ensure Florida remains this way and will provide landmark protections for free speech for medical practitioners. DeSantis has been an outspoken critic of most COVID-19 pandemic mitigation measures. In December, he asked the Florida Supreme Court to approve an, an investigation of any and all wrongdoing in Florida with respect to COVID-19 vaccines. In the petition filed with the court, the Republican governor requested the empaneling of a grand jury to investigate a broad group of entities associated with the development, distribution, and promotion of the vaccines, including pharmaceutical manufacturers and their executive officers, as well as medical associations. The GOP governor signed legislation in 2021 that imposed fines on businesses and hospitals that required inoculation against COVID-19 without exemptions or alternatives. So, Ron DeSantis for president. Twenty. What is it? 20, we haven't heard anything about him as far as the presidential run is concerned. Is he going to be running? Hmm. I don't know. Let's see. Our next story, courtesy of the Associated Press via WSVN, prosecutor says paramedics killed a man by strapping him face down. And this story is out of Chicago. Two Illinois paramedics face first-degree murder charges, having been accused of strapping a patient face down on a stretcher while taking him to a hospital last month. Illinois authorities filed the charges against Peggy Finley and Peter Cadigan on January 9, nearly a month after 35-year-old Earl Moore died. Under Illinois, Illinois law, a first-degree murder charge can be filed when a defendant knows that such acts create a strong probability of death or great bodily harm. Sangamon County State's Attorney Dan Wright announced the charges at a January 10 press conference after an autopsy. The autopsy report listed Moore's death as, well, the cause of death as homicide caused by compressional and positional asphyxia as he lay face down on the, par- on the paramedic stretcher with straps tightened across his back. If convicted, Finley and uh, Cadigan could face between 20 to 60 years in prison. Oh, boy. All right, to the chat. <laughs> okay, Dr. Keisha, you want to go? In, I know I know you're gonna go back to the Ronda Santis um <laughs> the Ronda Santis story. Texas. Go ahead, go ahead. I said I'm in Texas, so I can't talk because we're actually number two in COVID cases and poor response due to COVID. I don't think they understand too that this case response, what's happening in the schools, the long COVID is gonna cost us more in the long run. So um, this rhetoric is, is is ridiculous, and I'm embarrassed to be in one of those states. Uh, this with the paramedics is is horrible. Um, they know what they're doing, and I think even when we talk about deaths in custody, 
uh, there's a, there's a lot that needs to be done to figure this out because they know not to lay someone face down. Um, it's just outright evil and uh, breaking down and figuring out, you know, the deaths in custody and what's happening because the African-American, our, our community is the one that's hit the hardest with it. The blacks um, are the ones that are hit the hardest. We're dying more in custody. And from the minute that there's a pursuit or whether it's in this case, we're relying that people are taking care of us. And it, it's a criminal uh, offense. So I hope that they get prosecuted to the fullest. Uh, one more plug, only because it's informational, is that next week I actually will be having, if you guys do know, attorney Ben Crump and um, the former uh, chief medical examiner for D.C. Uh, will be here and we'll discuss um, deaths um, in custody from the black perspective and what we can do for the future. Yeah, because we have spoken about that here several times um, as they come to the forefront and they're mentioned. We do talk about it and it's it is of concern for us, you know. Um, whether you're in custody or whether you're being chased at a traffic stop, it you know, yeah, we, 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 we do air those concerns. But also in the article, it goes on to say that um, body camera footage was reviewed. Um, <laughs> the Springfield Police Department first responded to Monroe's, to Moore's home, sorry, at around 2 a.m. on December 18th. The police footage shows that a woman inside the home told one of the officers that Moore was in withdrawal from alcohol and hallucinating. The video shows Moore lying on a bed, occasionally speaking incoherently or gasping. At one point, he rolls onto the floor. Wright said the officers felt Moore was in medical distress and called the paramedics. When Finley arrives... She comes into the bedroom where Moore is still on the floor. Soon after, she yells at him to sit up and asks repeatedly for his birth date. Sit up, she said. You know what? I'm not playing. Sit up. Quit acting stupid. Sit up. Sit up now. I'm not playing with you tonight. You're going to have to walk because we ain't carrying you, she adds as police tell Moore he has to walk outside to get to the hospital. Police then lift Moore to his feet between two officers and slowly move him toward the door. Outside the home, police lift him onto the stretcher. The second paramedic waiting outside the house forcefully puts Moore onto his stomach and the two paramedics are shown tightly strapping Moore to the stretcher in that position. Ah, boy, the officers who are not emergency medical professionals are not trained nor equipped to provide the necessary medical treatment or to transport patients in this type of situation. And that's according to Chief Ken Scarlett. Uh, yeah, the officers turned over care to the patient, to, of the patient, the licensed medical professionals at the scene in accordance with Springfield Police Department policy. So nobody said... Um, no, 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 turn him over, turn him over. We can't do that or loosen the straps. No, nobody said anything. But let's go back even further. If this man is incoherent, gasping, why are you yelling at him or, yeah, yelling at him, telling him to quit acting stupid? I'm not playing with you tonight. You're going to have to walk because we're not carrying you. Okay. We'll wait for it. 
We'll wait for it because it's coming. Is it that people don't care about their jobs? What is it? Uh, that not that they don't care about us. It's it's always been a concern. Yeah. They don't care. They don't care about certain patients. They, you know, it's 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 sad when you're in positions like this, like you're at the four lines of someone that's in need of your your help, um, and they clearly are not cut out for that job. I think there needs to be more um, evaluation of employees that have jobs like this, and and looking over to to see if they're doing what they need to be doing. So just knowing it is one thing, but what are you doing? You know, more field observation. What are you doing, and how are you treating people um, in your day to day? Because this is this is not acceptable at all. Not at all. But clearly, they don't care because are they not aware that the um, body cameras are rolling? That would serve as some deterrent to the bad behavior. So clearly, well, then that also begs to wonder if they think that they're even going to be reprimanded. You know, there's a lot of people that work, um, and I've been in places where they do what they want because they know that they have the privilege to not be <laughs> reprimanded for it. <laughs> oh, boy. So paramedics and the police, work, they go hand in hand pretty much. Well, what can I say? Um, Ex-Missouri police chief hmm, indicted in drug overdose death. Story courtesy of the Associated Press. The former police chief of a small northeast Missouri town is facing second-degree murder charges after his girlfriend's brother died of a drug overdose in his home last year. William E. Jones, 50, the former police chief in Louisiana, Missouri, was indicted by a Pike County grand jury on seven charges in the death of 24-year-old Gabriel Thone, who was found dead on the floor of a bedroom in Jones's house in October. Jones was arrested on Friday and is being held on a $1 million cash bail. Thone was the brother of Jones's girlfriend, Alexis Thone. Another of Thone's brothers also overdosed at the home, but was revived by paramedics. Jones was charged in October with several felonies, including drug trafficking and stealing from the police department's evidence locker. He was fired as police chief when those charges were filed. You know, I'm laughing. Haven't we said it here before that when they seize a lot of these drugs or haven't we asked the question, what really happens to a lot of these drugs when they, they seize them? Supposed to go into the evidence locker under protection to be used as what evidence why are you no who who was um watching the evidence locker whose clock on whose watch did he get the um drugs out of the evidence locker but then again we could also ask the question what was his position and what did his position allow him to have access to you know <laughs> He was fired as police chief when those charges were fired. Second degree murder alleges a person died as the result of someone committing a felony. The underlying felony that prosecutors allege in Jones's case is tracking fentanyl. Well, his lawyer says that he's innocent. Okay, then. 
Let's see how that one plays out. The feds will not seek death penalty for El Paso Walmart shooter. Story courtesy of the Associated Press. Federal prosecutors will not seek the death penalty for a man accused of fatally shooting nearly two dozen people in a racist attack at a West Texas Walmart. And this happened back in 2019. The U.S. Department of Justice disclosed the decision not to pursue capital punishment against Patrick Crucius in a one-sentence notice filed with the federal court in El Paso on Tuesday. Crucius, now 24, is accused of targeting Mexicans during the mass shooting that left dozens wounded and killed 23 people. The Dallas area native is charged with federal hate crimes and firearms violations, as well as capital murder in state court and has pleaded not guilty. Federal prosecutors did not explain in their court filing why they will not seek the death penalty for Crucius, although he could still face potential execution if convicted in state court. The decision comes weeks after Jamie Esparza, the former district attorney in El Paso, took over as U.S. attorney for West Texas. Uh, 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 <laughs> why did they why are they going this route you killed 23 left dozens wounded a racist attack you singled out Mexicans and Oh, Jesus. Um, I don't know. When is the next planet going to be ready for us to move? Because I'm about over it. Uh, Javette, this is in your state. Hey, I live in Houston, but I claim Brooklyn all day, every day. <laughs> what the I, 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 I hate to make a joke about it, but... um. Yeah, Texas is its own country. Right, Dr. K? Yes, I'm like, yeah, I'm in Houston. And what we've been through the um, the grid failure and so many other things that could have been prevented. I, I'm really, I wish I would have known more before I moved here. I don't claim it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, great state to own land, right? You can get acres and acres, but that's about it. Period. Full stop. I I have to be honest with you. <laughs> Besides, <laughs> I'm trying to make sure I word this properly. Besides the politics, I really enjoy being here. And I guess I'll just leave it that way. <laughs> There's good and bad in everything, right? <laughs> yeah. Pros and cons. Weigh your pros and cons, folks. See what works best for you. Oh, boy. Okay. Our next story, also courtesy of CNN. A 14-year-old girl was charged with murder on Monday following the fatal shooting of an 11-year-old boy who was hit by a stray bullet, also in your state, according to Dallas police. Police were called to a report of a shooting at an apartment complex in South Dallas on Sunday afternoon at about 2 p.m. 
As part of the investigation, police determined a fight was going on between two girls in the parking lot of the complex. One juvenile suspect retrieved a handgun and shot in the direction of the female she was fighting. However, the shot struck a male juvenile bystander, the police said in a statement. The 11-year-old boy was transported to the hospital where he died from his injuries. The suspect initially ran from the location but was later taken into custody and charged, and she remains at the Henry Wade Juvenile Justice Center. A weapon was recovered during the investigation. Police are not releasing the names of those involved in the incident due to their ages. Vashant Settles identified the boy as her son and said he died in front of her. Me having to witness it and be there, I'll never get over it, she said. Settles said her daughter was fighting with a 14-year-old girl who then pulled out a gun and uh, shot the fatal bullet, missing her but hitting Devon. Guns. Okay, where are these children getting these guns from? It's not telling me where this child get this gun from. 14-year-old fighting. It's always the same answer. It's their parents who are being reckless. I'm done. Yeah, I have to agree with you, Sinead. So, Remember, state of Texas. Oh, yeah, that too. But, Javette, in, even though Texas is wild and it's the wild, wild west and you can have your um, gun, don't you still have to lock it away safely and secure? Is, aren't you supposed to secure it nonetheless? We've had this conversation already. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Yeah, we've had this conversation already. Yeah. Um, and even though it's readily available here, it, we're seeing these stories in every state. So is it is it just that? I mean, I already told you what I do as a parent. Um, and, you know, I don't have anybody in the house with me right now. But when my nephew comes here, I don't even leave it in the same spot that I usually have it. And I put it somewhere else. He's not allowed to go in my room. But you just never know with a child. We know how to get around our parents. True. You know, he actually has no idea where I put it. That That's one thing, you know. Uh, I do know in this state that I have family members and the children in the house know where the firearms are. Oh, boy. Even though you say, don't touch it, don't use it, you know. It's like I said the other day, I, I can't even speak to how I'm going to, how would I express to a child how to handle a, bu a bully now because it's not just fighting with your hands anymore. Mm -mm. Nobody wants to fight anymore. Nobody wants to just fist fight and, you know, call it a day. Can I say one of the most concerning things is that the United States now, the number one cause of death in our children is firearms. It used to be accidents. Now it's firearms. In the United States, we win um, compared to our peers where firearm deaths are um, most common in children from suicide, from every cause of, of it, from intentional, from suicide, from accident. So there are so many things. And the United States claims to be, you know, ahead in so many ways, but 
just like how we did with the COVID situation or lack of response when we have so much things in front of us available um, is very telling and it's very sad. It is beyond sad, uh, Dr. Keisha. It boils down to the same thing we say all the time. And yes, I will have to agree that I do believe that it is the number one but as far as children are concerned because I think, what would you say, room that at least once a week or every two weeks at least at minimum and i want to say at least once a week we are reporting a gun related incident as far as a child is concerned whether a child being shot by an adult by another child whatever we're reporting it and it's sad and we keep asking what are they planning to do about it and it's the same answer nothing Nothing. And it doesn't care whether it's Democrats or Republicans. They don't seem to want to do anything about it. And until it reaches their doorsteps, they are not affected. Then and only then will they probably be inclined. We need change, and we say we have to go out and vote for the change. And we say we get, we, you need to know who our representatives are and do their values align with ours. Do they have our interest at heart? But how many times once people get into the seats and get caught up that everything seems to dissipate, everything disappears, and nobody cares anymore? So who do we turn to? What do we do? Because we're the ones feeling it, not them. It's our children that are dying, not theirs. I don't know. And that story wraps up our uh, news out of North America. We're going to take another quick break. When we return, we have business and tech news along with health and science news. Don't you dare go anywhere. Here is Karina singing Temptation. It is hashtag WCW. We celebrate women today through music. Thank you so much to everyone listening online on johnoradio.com and qmzradio.com. Thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse. Of course, this is where the conversation happens.
Tune in to Days After Dark every Monday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, live on QMZRadio.com and JohnNoRadio.com. The live conversation happens right here on Clubhouse. Days After Dark, real relationship talk every Monday, 10 p.m. Eastern. No sleep last night, been dreaming of you, please hold me tight. Cause I can't stop the way that I feel I just can't stop the way that I feel Deep in the night You took my heart Now danger's inside Cause I
to everyone here with me on Clubhouse, where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me, and you're listening to Coffee Intel, World News on the Go. We do this every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Remember to follow me on Twitter, Me Media Moments, on Instagram, Moments underscore with underscore me underscore media, and on TikTok, Moments with Me Media. And the me in everything is MI. Coming up now, we're going to have business and tech news. So first up in business and tech news, three events that will determine the fate of cryptocurrencies. And I want to pull up the soundbite for this one. And I hear it from, it's courtesy of NPR. You know, I'm looking, here's the thing. I'm looking at the date. I'm like, today's the 18th. Oh my gosh, where's the time going? Slow down, Tam. Slow down. Can you imagine we're more than halfway through the month of January already? Here we go. Let's see if it will play for me. If it will be nice to play. Okay, it doesn't want to play for me. So I'll just go ahead and read the article. It's not, it's saying, nope, you're going to read today. All right, no problem. I'll go ahead and read. Thank you, NPR. Appreciate you. <laughs> it was touted as the future of finance. Today, the world of cryptocurrencies is in disarray. The fallout from the catastrophic collapse of crypto exchange FTX is spreading, and a so-called crypto winter has dragged on for months, showing no signs of letting up. The value of Bitcoin is down almost 70% from its all-time high hit on November 2021. It's a big change from a year ago. Back then, crypto companies were shelling out tens of millions of dollars to market their trading platforms during the Super Bowl broadcast, with celebrity endorsers like Tom Brady promising they would... I can't even say the word. Come on, Sonette, help me out here. Democratize? Is that right? Is that right, Sonette? Where's Sonette? What is it? Democratize? Democratize. Thank you. I wasn't really wrong. Sorry. (laughs) I don't know why I stumbled upon that one. Um, Javette, pray for me. I didn't have any rum today, folks. Yeah. I haven't been having, you know, I haven't been having any wine for about two weeks now. I'm proud of myself, but I think um, I need to go back. Democratize. (laughs) But but today, there are growing doubts about the future of crypto. The industry is facing the crisis of legitimacy, says Madeline Hume, an analyst at Morningstar. Here are three things that will determine the fate of crypto in the year ahead. Founded by 30-year-old Sam Bankman-Fried, FTX was valued at an eye-popping $32 billion a year ago. Today, the company is bankrupt and hundreds of thousands of customers are desperately trying to recover money that seems to have disappeared. Wall Street's top cop, the Securities and Exchange Commission, alleges Bankman Freed orchestrated a years-long fraud. Now, he faces eight criminal counts. And if 
the jury finds him guilty, he could spend the rest of his life in prison. Bankman Freed denies wrongdoing and he pleaded not guilty at a hearing earlier this month. FTX's collapse has laid bare now interconnected the cryptocurrency industry, shows, showing you how interconnected it is. Some companies with exposure to FTX have been hurt, including BlockFi, and BlockFi is a crypto lender that collapsed last year. Other companies have suffered, including Silvergate, a bank that caters to crypto companies. In the fourth quarter, it posted a net loss of $1 billion. In 2023, we'll learn more about what led to FTX's implosion as prosecutors and regulators sift through transaction databases and reams of documents. Ultimately, according to Hume, the downfall of FTX showed how risky crypto really is. There really is a lack of proper investor protection and risk management, even just down to simple brass tax of accounting and compliance. Regulators are alarmed and lawmakers are too. The SEC, concerned with protecting amateur investors in cryptocurrencies, is cracking down on companies across the sector. Last week, the SEC charged troubled crypto bank Genesis and its sister company, Gemini, with failing to register its lending program with the regulator in violation of U.S. securities laws. FTX's downfall also alarmed lawmakers, many of whom responded with calls for new legislation focused on crypto. But there's still a lack of clarity when it comes to cryptocurrencies. There is even disagreement over defining whether cryptocurrencies should be categorized as securities. Currently, the two big financial regulators, the Securities and Exchange Commission and the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, are also engaged in a turf war over who should regulate what, a decision that will fall on Congress. Although Bitcoin's backers suggested they would be a good hedge against high inflation, that did not pan out at all. Instead, cryptocurrencies slumped with other investments, such as stocks last year as inflation surged to its highest annual rate in around 40 years, forcing the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates aggressively. Whether Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies recover, will likely depend on how broader markets behave. And for crypto broadly, it may be a matter of survival. Alkesh Shah, a global crypto and digital asset strategist at Bank of America, says crypto is undergoing what he calls a really healthy reset. There is about 22,000 tokens traded on about 170 exchanges globally. And most of these tokens have virtually no intrinsic value. Shah expects a severe winnowing that could bring down the number of tokens to just around 50. Morningstar's Hume points out that crypto has weathered downturns before, and it's unlikely it goes away entirely. But she acknowledges it has a difficult path forward. When you look at crypto and what needs to happen, in order to regain confidence, it's going to be brick by brick. Do we think they're going to rebound? It's possible. It's quite possible. 
but I see a long road ahead. Go right ahead. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning I was going to say, um, can you hear me? Yeah, loud and clear. Yeah. I was going to say, um, even from one of the stories you had earlier, didn't the original cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, didn't start as a legal way that people could move drug money or for sex workers. So how would it be considered a security or asset if it started as like an illegal currency? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Let me tell you, Chile. Plain and simple in my layman's terms. I never understood how crypto worked. It didn't seem real to me. I tried to understand it. I could not understand it. And when exactly. I asked it, it for seems like a pyramid scheme. Exactly. And when I asked for explanation, there were still large gaps. There were gaping holes. So and I'm asking people who do it as a business to explain it to me. And I could not get answers that were sufficient enough for me to say you know what let me risk a hundred dollars and if you can't explain it to me but it's something you do then how then am i going to go ahead and invest i don't know it is to me a form of a pyramid scheme because what i don't understand is okay so where did all the money go let us say you don't have interest to give back people and here we go promising people double money back triple money back If you don't have the interest to give me, you should at least have um, the principal, something, nothing, where it gone? Where is the money? Nobody can explain where the money is. I give you real money for you to give me crypto money. That is, in my opinion, not real. So where is my real money? Where? As far as I'm concerned, crypt the crypto world and like, for example, this man here, Sam, he swindled people, if you ask me. Go right ahead. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I, I think the reason why the, the, the Bitcoin work is because the difference is like the, the crypto seem more, it's more like, seem like a Ponzi scheme, like it's more obvious because people have seen all these Ponzi scheme that have been taking place for the past like 20 years or so. Um, but the thing with the Bitcoin now, the Bitcoin is like, uh, you know, invisible money that allows like scammers and, and people that are in, um, you know, prostitution or, or stuff like that to, to move money without their name attached to it. So I think it, it, it works because of that, because, you know, scamming, you know, I've, has evolved over the past decade and become like, you know, probably one of the most lucrative, um, you know, not, you know, years ago we heard about Niger Nigeria now, you know, hear about India, the Caribbean, like everybody's scamming now. And to have an invisible currency where like cannot be traced, you know, makes it, um, that's what made, you know, the Bitcoin thing been working for the past 10 years or so. So, but like the the crypto thing, like I, I don't know. Like and, and these people, even on Clubhouse still messaging you. Like like they think, you know, people are stupid. But no, I I, I don't see a future in it. Um because it, it you know, like I wanna see my money. And it's gonna be so easy to to 
to you know to remove people money from them like if it's like if it's not like a tangible like something that you can you can see it you can touch you can feel you know like people are going to move your money like so easily right so no i don't think it's going to work here here's the thing it's um james thank you for that back to you chile here's the thing it started out good enough like any pyramid scheme where people were getting money because um people have bought houses from it but here is what happened they got in over their head the money not coming in fast enough for them to disperse or they're sinking off the money to, into their own private investments <laughs> and you're left holding the bag so you have like a hundred people investing the first 10 no problem and so those 10 who were able to get back money and get back good money and tell you how they were able to buy a house cash and blase 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 they became the um what you, what's the word they became um oh my gosh brand ambassadors yeah because what's gonna happen if you get your money and you get it back twofold threefold you're gonna go out there and spread the word because hey hey yeah i can show you listen i put in ten dollars and i got back thirty dollars and everybody's gonna be like really yeah it really worked because my friend put in 10 and he got back 30. and so it created a buzz and more people got into it but the money i agree with you i think it's just like yeah go ahead Jay. i think it's go a ahead. pump and dumps no i was saying i think it's a pump and dump screen uh, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think all of them think that they're Elon Musk and they're trying to rob Peter to pay Paul. So then they're trying to invest in something else, but they're using your money or the same thing. They bought a house or a business or a new Ferrari. But meanwhile, they're telling you this. And then they have somebody else um, giving out uh, stories of, yeah, I tripled my investment. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. But as I've said before, on numerous occasions, I rather earn my money slow but sure. Slow but sure. One, one cocoa full basket, as we say in Jamaica. One, one cocoa full basket. And let this be a lesson to many people because a lot of people dumped their savings into crypto. And I understand inflation is around us people are thinking long term and the looming threat that probably by the time we're to retire there is no social security income and whatever we have invested in 401ks or any other um investment portfolio the value of it may not uh, um, match up to what the the cost of living is going to be then because we see that real estate is going up we don't have to go into real estate just look in the supermarket and the prices are not going to go down. Everything has gone up. 20 years down the road, can you imagine what inflation is going to look like? Basic necessities are going to be expensive. So I can understand people wanting to secure as much as they can now with the expectation that down the road their burden will be eased. But be careful with these get-rich-quick schemes. The promise to give you back so much more. And if you're going to test it, folks, test it with a little. Not your life savings. 
test it with what you can afford to lose. Kind of like when somebody calls you and says, um, hey, Marlon, lend me a thousand dollars. And Marlon should know if he can afford to lose the thousand dollars just in case the friend will never have it to give back. At least, he, you know, it's okay. It's, it's, it's water under the bridge. No big deal. I'm not any worse off for it. But if you know you don't have the thousand dollars, keep yourself quiet and don't lend it out because then it's going to create a problem. Right? You vex, them vex, everybody vex. So, People are going to come up with other schemes. This is not the only one. There are going to be more. And they're going to come more creative and more attractive. And people are going to go in and people are going to come back as brand ambassadors, amping us up. Yes, invest. But let this be a lesson to us. Proceed with caution. So can I tell you now what I had done? Yes. <laughs> I had put, I was wrong. It wasn't $20, it was $25. I started with $25 on crypto, or I'm sorry, yeah, crypto.com. And my current value, $2.51. <laughs> I am cautious. I am not going to throw, you see, when I, go, when I go to a casino even, I'm like, okay, I'm going to spend this amount of money. It's going to be $20. And then if, I'm, if I don't win enough of that, I'm done playing. Mm -hmm. That's what I was done. I gave it $25. And I was done playing. So and there we go. That was a smart move, Sunet, as you talk about the, the um, casinos. When I go with Marlon, oh, I'm like the law. As soon as he wins something, I'm cash out. <laughs> and then I will give him back the initial exactly. amount. And I'm like, and he'd be like, let me get someone. I'm like, nope, nope, no, 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 no. Mm -mm. Because the house never loses. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave it where it is. It's the $2.51. Let's see if they have an upswing. <laughs> <laughs> we waste $25 every week anyway, right? So That's right. That's like five days of coffee, maybe. Exactly. So you can stand to lose that. Good. No put no more. Let's see what happens with that $2.50. <laughs> All right. So it's time for health and science news. First up, courtesy of CNN. Fresh water fish contains forever chemicals. Ah, fish caught in the fresh waters of the nation's streams and rivers and the Great Lakes contain dangerously high levels of PFOs, short for perfluoroctane. I got that one. <laughs> I think so. Perfluoroctane. Yeah, I got it. Sulfonic acid. Okay, a known synthetic toxin phased out by the federal government, according to a study of data from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. The chemical PFOS is part of a family of manufactured additives known as, okay, here goes another one for me, perfluoroalkyl, alkyl, perfluoroalkyl, and substances, or, you know, we're going to go with the abbreviations, PFAS. Widely used since the 1950s to make consumer products non-stick and resistant to stains, water, and grease damage. Called forever chemicals because they fail to break down easily in the environment. PFAS has leached into the nation's drinking water via public water systems and private wells. The chemicals then accumulate in the bodies of fish, shellfish, livestock, dairy, and game animals that people eat, experts say. 
the levels of PFOS found in freshwater fish often exceeded an astounding 8,000 parts per trillion, whatever that means, said study co-author David Andrews, who is a senior scientist at Environmental Working Group, which is a non-profit environmental health organization. And they analyzed the data. In comparison, the EPA has allowed only 70 parts per trillion of PFOS in the nation's drinking water. Due to growing health concerns in 2022, the EPA recommended the allowable level of PFOS in drinking water be lowered from 70 to 0.02 parts per trillion. Wasn't it last week we said that everything I kill we anyway? The water? The food, the f- anything we consume, it, it's killing us. Chemicals in the PFAS family are linked to high cholesterol, cancer, and various chronic diseases, as well as a limited antibody response to vaccines in both adults and children. And this is according to a report by the National Academics of um, or the National Academies, rather, of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine. Donnell, are you here? Remember when you we were doing that list of foods that are banned in other countries but are consumed here in the U.S.? And I read the list and you said, how about you just give us a list of what is safe for us to eat because it might be shorter? Yes, I do, I do. <laughs> eat fish, it's better. Now you hope that you're getting salt water fish but you don't know because they're not even labeling things properly i know james said to us how it's cooked um and how much seasoning you have to use and the texture and so on but really and truly do we honestly have time to be doing all of that can we get back to the days of trusting the labels that are out there mom is that that that's the advantage of being like someone from the country because I, i'm not sure if anybody remember like in Jamaica, um, the, the freshwater fish um, perch, you know, perch or perch, which one him? Perch, yeah. Yeah, and um, the, 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 what do you call them, janga? They yeah. like shrimp, mm-hmm. the freshwater. Mm-hmm. You notice that there, there's like night and day. When, when, you, when you catch a perch or you catch like a ganja, a ganja or whatever you want to call it. Janga. Uh, janga <laughs> or whatever, yeah. River when, shrimp, when you, river shrimp. Yeah, when you when you, when you catch those two, and you and you cook them, and you go to the sea, and you you, you get you get lobster, you get um some some yellowtail snapper or whatever, it's night and day, night and day, like the the taste, and yeah, so like I think my philosophy nowadays is just pray and eat, <laughs> because food you don't know, cause I remember even in this room we talk about like even tomato. There's fish in tomato. Fish. So like if you say not eat fish and, and, and they take a chemical from the fish to get the, the tomato, like when you look on the, the red tomato, them, the color just looks so pretty. They, they put, they put um, a thing from, from fish inside. So just pray and eat. Pray and eat. Oh boy. Um, next in Health and Sands News. Um, may I just chime in? Yes, yes. Go ahead, Justin. Thank you. It's noisy. I'm out walking, but okay. this is an important topic. These forever chemicals, PFAS as they're known, um, uh, everywhere. 
even in our lipsticks those lipsticks that last forever you can wear them all day and they still look fresh yes those chemicals are in it in our eye in mascara waterproof um, as mentioned earlier pots and pans if you're still cooking in non-stick please get rid of it stainless steel is the best um, cooking utensil um, so yeah be mindful of these chemicals they're in our furniture they're ubiquitous so um, you know do whatever you can to try and minimize getting them into your system and into your homes thank you thank you jocelyn and as you were saying that um i looked up some information so and it does um go along with what you're saying manufacturers added the chemicals to thousands of products including the non-stick cookware as jocelyn just said mobile phones carpeting clothing makeup furniture food packaging so how do we get and then uh yeah clothing how do we get rid of these things then what would go back to just walking naked and wow what are we to do how are we truly going to avoid these things they're in every single thing everything by by the rasta clothes them and stuff where the the louis vuitton and them stuff there the the, the thing that with the rasta that make out of the amp yeah buy them the <laughs> I think moments what's more dangerous than the chemicals itself is the fact that in the US you can sell almost anything without a proper label. That is in it. other countries you know what you're buying at least to some extent. But here they just don't require labels. So now they're talking about this this genetically modified salmon yes. that they could just sell as normal. I mean, if it's good, fine. But give me a choice. You you're not giving people a choice. If you label it properly, people can choose to some extent what they want to eat. But you just say, no, it's good. FDA pass it and that's it. And next year, FDA saying, ah, it's killing people. It's like, just label properly. That is what we have to try at least to get. Because you wouldn't get anything else. At least. But give people a choice. At least. Yeah. I think in California, right, Sanet, um, they're very serious about labeling. Seeing to it that everything... Um, especially if it has the, no matter how minuscule the probability of causing cancer, it's labeled over there in California, right? I think you said that's. I that. think it's 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 called Prop sixty five. So on almost everything you buy, you'll find this little sticker that says Proposition sixty five. This item may cause cancer. And so we label things. When I worked in um, the Italian food distribution company, the stuff that got imported from other countries, they also had to print those labels and stick them on those products when they sell them because of um, a possible Prop 65 violation. Everywhere you go, you see that. Can we ask our governors in every single state to push for that? Let us make the decision instead of us being blindfolded, so to speak. I, I understand what you're saying, and I, and, I, and I hear everyone's concerns. I totally get it. But at the same time, if you think about it, it's, I'm not kidding you, it's nearly everything. Like Jocelyn mentioned, furniture, clothing, makeup, it's there. So everywhere you go, you see this warning. So what do you do? Do you say, okay, I'm not buying that? But then you have no option. You're not buying anything. You're going to go and buy yarn. Guess what? The yarn has 
Prop 65 attached to it. So you don't want to make your own clothes. You're going to do, like, now you have to go find your own sheep. Shear the sheep. Make the yarn. Make the, go buy some metal. Make a thread. We call those old knitting things. And go make your own clothes. We can't. We can't escape it. No matter what. For one, I mean, so one day out of the month, I'll agree with James and say, okay, you know what? Eat and pray. I don't pray. I'm not religious. But maybe eat and hope. Eat and wish. I'm gonna do that. Thank you, thank you. So that go ahead, Donald. But maybe, maybe that one manufacturer or somebody that goes out on a limb and decide not to use these products, even if the their their final product is more expensive, people might say, Okay, let's support that person. And when other people realize that person is making money, maybe there might be a little change. <laughs> I mean it's a far shot, but <laughs> We gotta start no, you're, somewhere. You're right, though. Gotta no, start I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, 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 right, no. You're right. There are there are some people who are going out and they're doing things and and they're trying. Um, and you are correct. The price tag then shoots up above fifty percent. But they're making the, they're making the, the trial. They're they're using hemp in things. They're using all kind of different things to make sure that we are we have some more safety. They're they're trying to be environmentally aware, and we. We really admire those people and hope that they are successful. So I, I say it jokingly, you know, but, but we always hope for that too. <laughs> hope and pray. All right. So I have time to squeeze in one more from our lifestyle segment. Here are the top 20 safest airlines in the world, courtesy of Haiti.loopnews.com. Every year since 2013, the specialized site, AirlineRatings.com has produced a ranking of the safest airlines in the world. To do this, the site takes into account the following criteria. Accidents and serious incidents, the age of aircraft, the COVID-19 protocol, pilot training, and innovations relating to operations. On January 3, 2023, Airline Ratings published its top 20 airlines, from around the world that most respect these criteria american airlines delta airlines are the only airlines with flights to haiti to appear on this list respectively in 19th and 20th place so here's the list number 20 delta airlines number 19 american airlines 18 klm 17 british airways 16 fin air 15 lufthansa and i'm not i know i butchered that 14 united airlines 13 sas 12 hawaiian 11 cathay never heard of this one cathay pacific airways okay number 10 virgin australia virgin atlantic number nine eva air uh number eight alaska airlines Number seven, Emirates. Number six, TAP, Air Portugal. Number five, Singapore. Number four, Qatar Airways. Number three, Etihad. Number two, Air New Zealand. And number one, Qantas. Isn't Qantas, isn't that out? Or Qantas, there's no U there. Q-A-N-T-S would be Qantas. They're out of uh, Australia. It's actually Qantas. It's yeah. Qantas, even though there's you no U? Qantas. Yeah. Huh. Not, I've always heard it pronounced as Qantas. Okay, so I was yeah. right at first. Aren't and they... Lufthansa is German. Lufthansa, thank I you. I like that. I flew them once and I was like, ooh, I want to do this again. Oh, okay. All right. So, um, <clears throat> Delta. How oh, comes there's no Canadian airline on that list? Because that yeah, sound right. they, it sounds just about right. <laughs> it's not in top 20. 
it's not in the top 20. It's Maybe it's 21. <laughs> Notice the, the most popular airlines here barely make it into the 20. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, ladies and gentlemen, it is we're at the end of another show. Yes, we are. <laughs> I want to say thank you to everyone that logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. For quality music while you work or play, keep it logged on to www.QMZRadio.com for that good music to get you through your day. Thank you to everyone listening on JanoRadio.com. I hope by now you would have already downloaded the Jano Radio app. J-A-H-K-N-O. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Jano Radio. Take us on the go. I can't seem to face the fact that boy I'm losing And of course, I have to give a big thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse. This is where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me, and you were listening to Coffee Intel World News on the Go. We do this every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. You can follow me on Twitter at me media, me media Moments, on Instagram, Moments underscore with underscore me underscore media, and on TikTok, Moments with me media and the mean everything is am i as always great conversation shared views varying opinions and always interesting perspectives you all are amazing thank you so much Listeners on JanoRadio.com and QMZRadio.com. This is Moments with me signing out. See you tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern. It's also hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday. We're going to take it back.